0: The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. Speech Radio with a difference. Talk Radio.
1: alternative i'm Catherine boyle and as you know i've been heavily medicated all week because i've got one of these horrible summer colds but today the clouds parted and i got the day off husband took the kids out for the day the world was my oyster could have done anything could have gone out met up with friends treated myself to a nice lunch now my luxury sleep My God, it was so so good. So anyway, I'm feeling I'm feeling fit and up for it. And uh, not in that way. Let's not go too far. Uh, But if you want to give me a call, oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is a number to call. Right, this is the late night alternative, which means that we don 't talk about the sort of talking points you might hear up and down the radio stations up and down the country in your country in my country and countries all around the world we 'll talk about other stuff we can talk about you uh, we can talk about what 's going on in your mind at the moment and uh, we can go on flights of fancy that other people only dream of oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand speaking of dreams right if you 've seen the film inception. And you think that meeting in other people's dreams is just, you know, just a fantasy. Turns out scientifically, it may be about to happen for real. So we'll talk about that later on. And also, if you're fed up of seagulls ruining your days at the, uh, at the beach, the answer is staring at them. Apparently, it takes a seagull longer to attack you if you're staring at them. Now, you and I both know that animals are very big on eye contact, right? There's a reason why people who hate cats and don't look at them and try and kind of get away from them attract them more. It's because they don't stare them out, right? People that love cats stare at them because oh, aren't they gorgeous? They hate that. That is that is starting on them. They don't like it. It's a kind of what you're looking at me. You're like what's that for? Is it a fight? If you watch cats in the street. They'll glare at each other for a good five minutes before anyone actually makes a move. Cats love people who hate them because really what you're doing there by ignoring them is giving them the come on eye contact is massive in the animal kingdom right you and i have both tried to psych an animal out don't pretend you haven't so your tips and tricks please for psyching out animals cat kisses anyone know what a cat kiss is that you do with your eyes oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand there's a whole secret world out there that people that don't psych out animals don't know about. So uh, let's hear from you. Uh, we'll also be talking about the guy who um, has been hailed as the new messiah or the messiah born again, who has been um, brought into church in Kenya. There was a whole hoo-ha about it spread on uh, social media. He's been tracked down. We've got his word and it doesn't start with a capital W. He's saying he's not the messiah He's an actor, and we'll be finding out more about him later on in the show. Uh, and uh, also, um, why single men are choosing cats. We're talking about cats again. I haven't got. A cat. Can you tell I'm a I'm a frustrated cat owner in that I'm not allowed one. In fact, my husband and kids might be listening right now. And uh, girls, remember when we said that you could either have daddy or a cat, and how daddy didn't really like the answer to that one. Um, Catulas, Single men are choosing cats to take the stress off finding a partner and offer emotional support. Now, these are the men who know how to give a cat a kiss without touching it. Single men who own cats, dubbed catulas, reckon it takes the pressure off having to find a partner. This is according to new research, so it's science, so no arguing you lot. A study into the rise of moggy-owning male singletons revealed one in four thinks their pet's taken the pressure off being single because they're good company in lieu of a partner. Another 29% like having their cat around as they're good to talk to and half believe their pet helps to keep them calm. One in ten even went so far as to say their cat offered counsel through an emotional breakup. Johnny Gould... CEO for pet well-being firm ItchPet.com. I don't think it's the Johnny Goldwino, but who knows? Which commissioned the study said the news comes as a blow for man's best friend. With a quarter of single men going as far to say cats are on their way to usurping dogs from their throne. Our feline friends can often come up against a bit of stick for being independent and aloof, so it's great to shine a compassionate light on how the nation's cats are taking care of us he says cats can offer a great emotional support blah 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 we know this don't we we know this if you're a cat man and proud of it 03444991000 but this dream thing it kind of sprang to mind for me today because i had one of those dreams last night where for a moment when you wake up there's a little bit of magic in the air i had a dream where for for the longest time you know these dreams probably last about 3 seconds in real life you know if you were being monitored but this was the whole dream I was just hanging out with my grandma and we were doing ordinary things and chatting and um and it was nothing you know there's no flying or like eating marshmallow clouds or anything like that we were just hanging out and when i woke up this morning for 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 a moment or two i forgot that she that she died and it was one of those moments where you go ah i'm gonna take that as a little bonus a little bonus a little visit it was great you know, and the, that kind of um, ache in the pit of your stomach when you realise it wasn't real. Yeah, it's, it's kind of worth it for those moments, right? When you have a dream and it seems so real, and it wasn't extraordinary, and it was just it was just being with that person. But apparently, we might be able to engineer meeting in dreams in future. Um, and I found this really interesting. People who merge into each other's dreams have happened in an Inception-style sleep test. Now, this may be this may be just sexy news pitching, but let's see. Dr. Guy Meadows, the co-founder of The Sleep School, is leading research into how people can catch better quality sleep and in scenes that would mirror the hit film Inception. He says experts are on the cusp of allowing sleepers to interact with their own dreams and merge into other people's. The article, published in GQ magazine, who interviewed Dr. Meadows, reads, Meadows mentioned cutting-edge advances currently taking place and how they could help at work, too. In the US, he said, researchers were looking to develop technology within the next decade that would let us interact with our own dreams, um, assisting with things like problem-solving, blah, 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 blah. Who would you want to meet in your dreams? And have you ever had one of those dreams where, for a moment it seems like you managed to get that person back who maybe is not so easy to see anymore. 0344 499 1000. I'd love to hear from you. I'm having trouble dragging these calls down, so I don't know whether I need to restart the system or whether you could do it for me. Thanks very much, Hayley. And we've got John on the line. Hey, John.
2: Oh, yeah, I know what cactus is. Sorry? Cat- I don't know what a cat kiss is.
1: You know what a cat kiss is? Go on, tell us. Okay. Right, you blink at your cat and
2: turn your head. You blink at the cat again, turn your head. You blink at your cat again and turn your head. And then you stare in their eyes. And that's how cats make love. <laughs>
1: it's true,
2: isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I used to do it to kittens when I used to have kittens. Um, yeah, the, the way you make them like you is you get down to their level and you stare in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's the way that some um, cats communicate with each other.
1: Slow blinking.
2: Yeah, slow blinking and turn your head.
1: So tell me about this time when you used to have kittens. It sounds like it was a regular thing.
2: Um, Well, we had three. Uh Um, We found one of them in the basement of our pub. And it was climbing up the walls. It was obviously a stray, and it just got in the basement. And it was about five inches long, if that. Oh. We... we (laughs) tried to get it into a basket, take it to the vets, but it was jumping up the walls and it was going everywhere. Yeah. We eventually got it in the basket, the cat basket, took it to the vets and they said it was at least three weeks old.
1: Oh my God. So nowhere near ready to leave its mum.
2: Oh, nowhere near. It was obviously a stray. We found it, it was in the pop car park and then it ran into the cellar. It was under our car. Right. Oh.
1: So what happened with it?
2: Um, oh, it grew to a very, very good age.
1: Oh, great. So it survived. I thought that they, you know,
2: it was. Well, I don't know whether it's alive now because the relationship kind of broke down with my ex wife and me. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know whether it's still alive, but yeah. it was only nine years ago, so possibly it's very old. Yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. Gosh, right. But,
2: yeah. yeah. It, you... um, it, it really works.
1: Who told you the secret of the cat kisses then?
2: Uh, my ex wife. Uh.
1: <laughs> It's weird, isn't it? Once you know these little things... Uh, listen, I don't know whether it's true or not. I think they probably appreciate the tension. But... It does
2: work, though, because this cat was so scared. And I just went right down to its level. and lay on the floor and just stared at it. Yeah. And it's just the way that um, the mother looks at the baby cat. And oh. you know, the mother and the father look at each other before they're going to do what they do.
1: Yeah. Are you... Um, although that is pretty violent, isn't it? If, you have, if you've ever oh, seen a no. cat, it flipping heck. It's not romantic. No.
2: Foxes are worse. We've got foxes out the back of our house. Yeah. And um, we quite often wake up to screaming foxes. The noise is awful, isn't they it? Have, um, they have bars on their penises, which is <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. It's little facts about that, little natural facts like that that make you think, uh, if there is a you God, know, he's got a very wicked sense of humour.
2: I got told this yesterday by my my wife, my current wife,
1: mm-hmm.
2: that, um, that pigs have corkscrew penises.
1: Yeah. Don't even look up a duck's penis. Don't Google oh, I that. I
2: want you now. <laughs> Don't
1: Google it. You'll never sleep again. <laughs> it's amazing. You ever get any ducklings a, with that kind of thing going on?
2: A whale's, a whale's penis.
1: Anyway, it's nice to see. We start with kittens and we descend into the usual, John. I mean, Ian might not be here, but it's the same old, same old, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yes, it is.
1: <laughs> Appreciate your call. Thanks for ringing. No problem, see you later, bye. Take care, bye bye. 03444991000, and that call kind of demonstrates the way this show goes. If you want to give me a ring, I'd really appreciate hearing your voice. 03444991000. If you want, you can send me a tweet. It's at flipping Kath or at Talk Radio, or you can text Talk and your message to 87222. That's 87222, and put Talk at the beginning of your message.
0: Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox. The late night alternative alternative. Alternative with Catherine Boyle
1: on Talk Radio. Roger's right on Twitter. He says, less than 20 minutes into the show and we've already had a chat about animal wangers. Yeah, that's just the way it goes sometimes. 0344 499 1000. Um, We are taking your calls on whatever you fancy, really. Who would you meet in your dreams, right, if you could engineer it? Apparently scientists are on the cusp of being able to merge sleepers, Inception style. Is there someone you'd like to have a dream with? uh is there someone that you've lost that maybe you've had that moment i was talking about at the top of the show where you have a dream about them and it's just as you wake up you realize they're not there anymore um but you had that moment and it was really special i mean some people believe that that's real that that's them coming to visit you i don't know i said you know what i'm like i'm kind of cynical about stuff like that i'd like to believe that was true 0344 499 1000 i'd love to also this uh thing about um seagulls right we're talking about staring at cats and how to give a cat a kiss you do these slow eye blinks and it apparently works so it's worked with me with cats i think it has at least they've not kind of gone from my face or my jugular um which is always a win-win um but apparently seagulls mobbing you for your food right and you see that at the the seaside all the time I, i actually quite enjoy watching it from afar as long as you keep your chips covered, you, you can just be a spectator. But according to new scientific research, you can stop them pinching your lunch with a simple trick: you stare at them. Scientists from the University of Exeter found on average birds took 21 seconds longer to approach someone who was staring at them if they could, you know, if they could see that you've made maintained eye contact. Despite having a reputation for being bold and menacing, most gulls were too afraid to peck at food if a human was near. And out of 74 birds, only 27 actually took a chip with a staring going on. Um, this is, uh, researchers said, we found the majority of gulls in urban areas would not approach a food source placed in close proximity to a human, despite many displaying an interest in food. Um, And this was published in Biology Letters, if you want to do further reading on it, by the way. Uh, These results indicate that reducing human-herring gull conflict may be possible through small changes in human behaviour. They carried out their study in coastal towns in Cornwall, where many gulls are on the hunt for an easy meal. They put 250-gram bags of chips on the ground, by the way, waste of chips, and tested how long it took for herring gulls to swoop down and take them. The experimenter adopted a crouched position a few minutes from the, a few meters, sorry, from the bag of chips and timed how long it took before the gull took its first peck. Half the time they faced the gull head on and the other half the time they looked away. Lead author Madeline Goumas said, gulls are often seen as aggressive and willing to take food from humans, so it was interesting to find that most wouldn't even come near during the tests. Of those that did approach, most took longer when they were being watched. I remember walking down the street. Where was it? We went to... Oh, we went to Whitby last year. That's where it was. And we were walking along the um, we were walking along the pier, and I d- decided that we were going to introduce the girls to the fifth food group, which is the um, fresh fried donut. And so we had a bag of donuts on the go. And there was this seagull sitting on a phone box, and every now and again it would swoop down and nick someone's chips as they walked past. And we'd seen this. So we walked by with like... And, the, and my youngest was terrified, actually. So we walked by and we, did, we made a pact that we wouldn't flash any food until we were w- way past it. But this thing was absolutely ruthless. It was like... Whoosh, uh, every every couple of minutes. It was just easy pickings. And I, I'm amazed the thing could fly anymore it had eaten so many chips. Researchers didn't look why uh, individual goals were different. They also found goals were slower to approach the food when there were more people present. Senior author... Dr. Neilche Bugert, real name, said gulls learn really quickly, so if they manage to get food from humans once, they might look for more. Yeah, like this one was a right, flipping pig. Especially now during the summer holidays and beach barbecues, we're seeing more gulls looking for an easy meal. We therefore advise people to look around themselves and watch out for gulls approaching as they often appear to take food from behind, catching people by surprise. The number of herring gulls are in decline, although numbers in urban areas are rising. Traditional nesting sites on cliffs and islets have been replaced by roofs, and the fish diet's been replaced by scavenged human foods. Yeah, don't think you're, um, out of the woods if you don't live by the sea. We call them seagulls. These are herring gulls, right? And they, you remember these? They used to hang around the school playground. Do you remember those when you were at school? You would go back in and you'd see the seagulls descend because obviously there's like bits of whats in quaver all over the place. Researchers next want to investigate how eating human foods affects the goals in the longer term. Well, yeah, I don't feel sorry for the goals. They are going to take in what they can get. Um, I do remember once walking down the street, and this is what put me off for ch- uh, off eating um, Marks and Spencer's chicken sandwiches, for about six months, walking down the street in Nottingham. And, um, yeah, and I had a bit of my sandwich nicked by a pigeon, and I thought, that's kind of cannibalism. It's cannibalism. They're disgusting. I know people are cruel to pigeons, but they are filthy animals, aren't they? Horrible. And the fact that they'll eat another bird means that they don't deserve any sympathy. Oh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. 344-499-1000 if you want to give me a ring. Um, mm, 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 mm. what else have we got? Oh, uh, Alistair is uh, holding his hands up on Twitter to say that he is a catch-tula. Uh And Lady Jane says the thing about the ducks, winkies was news to her. Here's the thing, right? I started out on the BBC. I know about informing... Educating and very occasionally, I might even entertain you. If you want to give me a ring, 0344 499 1000. You can tweet at Talk Radio or you can uh, tweet at flipping Kath or both. I'll definitely see it that way. Or you can text Talk and your message to 87222. Let's say hello to Martin. Hiya, Martin.
3: Hello, Kathleen.
1: Hiya, what's going on with you tonight?
3: Uh, can I talk to you about a group called Extension Rebellion? Go on then. <laughs> okay, right. So they decided today, right, to come down to Birmingham mm-hmm. to have one of their protests. And what they've done at the rush hour this morning in Birmingham is there's about, about 50 of them, right, absolutely blocked off the city centre.
4: Right.
3: While all the people, the commuters, were getting to work. Now, the difference between what happened down in London and Birmingham today is very, very different. And they will not come back in a hurry, believe you, may. They got so much stick. Did they? Oh, yeah. I but don't know if you've seen the videos, like, on the internet, like. I haven't, no. Swore out and I was told that. You well, you can imagine, like, I won't swear, like.
1: But they're trying to save you, Martin.
3: Yeah, but, but the problem is, Kathy, right. They had all these placards, and what they've done is they've blocked off Birmingham all the out, on the outskirts with these placards going, seven minutes to save the earth.
4: Yeah.
3: And they which like created a 20-mile tailback all around the city mm-hmm. of people like, you know I mean, disordering people going to work in the offices, blah, 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 like. And they was not too damn happy about it, like. But what gets me, Cathy, about these people who come down, they were from Birmingham, they were from London, all these middle-class people from the suburbs who come down.
1: How do you know they were all from London?
3: Oh, because on our local radio stations tonight, they interviewed them, like, and they asked, and the reporter from Centre Louis asked them, like, do you live in Birmingham? He says, no, like, we're from Oxford uh, in London and Richmond and blah, 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 like, and uh... he said, well, why do you think you've got the right to come down to just look like, all the people from Birmingham getting to work, like? And I was going, and anyway, you, you know, me, you I, know why, I, though, I understand Martin, don't their you... cause, like.
1: You know why? Because we're all brothers and sisters on this planet, and they know the truth. Yeah, but,
3: Cathy, like, I can understand their protests, like, and, you know what I mean, they've got a good point, but what they cost today, like, is... He just... He didn't work for them, like, you know I mean, it was a negative spin, like... D- didn't cult, it, though?
1: Because like, you're telling me they got on Central News, and you're talking about it now.
3: Like, but they got so much abuse and threats of violence, and God knows what, like, but from people in the cars, like...
1: The thing is, though, they're on a mission, so they won't care about the abuse.
3: Yeah, well, I think they could do... They've not turned their lock, like, their brand any good to be honest, what they've done today, like you know what I mean. Hasn't it
1: got you thinking about what you could do to save your part of the planet, Martin?
3: But I I was already thinking about it, because me and Eden had a big argument about this three months ago. Oh
1: yeah.
3: About the flooding in the you know what I mean, the global warming, whatever like. Yeah. And on that side of of what the go you know what I mean, their point is, I agree with them. But holding up traffic like for just ordinary people getting to work is just a bit tease people off like to be honest
1: yeah of course it doesn't i've been stuck behind it before but actually when it comes down to it if i'm a bit late for (coughs) work it doesn't make a massive amount of difference as long as i'm not as long as i'm here by 10 o'clock no one really bothers but i can get it and i can get that some people's bosses aren't you know uh, understanding and you might get in trouble and all that stuff going on
3: okay look i I don't just think forego right. Because I'm very crap at singing, I was told by Ian, like, a few, six months ago, like, and I was at a karaoke bit, I mean, like, I got booed off the stage.
1: Did you? What did yeah. you sing?
3: <laughs> that is a Black Sabbath, God is Dead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it
3: might <laughs> I, have been the sentiment so I, rather than I'm the song. I'm thinking about uh, being an impersonator, like, so could I just do, do three quick impersonations before you cut me off? All
1: right, and uh, am I going to guess who they are, or yeah. will it be obvious?
3: Are you going to guess who they are? All right, go on then. All right, number one.
1: Hello, Cathy, my darling. Hello, sweetheart.
3: How are you? Is um, there Number one. Is it Alan Caddick? No. Um. Susan from attack. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Uh, uh, number two, like, OK, I'll be doing a quick line. Line one, line one, line one, line one, line one. George. Oh, here's my writing, give me down. George. Rainbow George. What do you want, George.
1: Uh, I mean, that could be anyone. Even oh, no, everyone... oh,
3: no, oh, 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 oh. oh, I that, like, Ian, like, hello. hello oh, I
1: think Ian. you might have let it slip there. Is it supposed to be Ian?
3: Uh, hello, Ian, Ian. what are you say so arrogant, Ian? <laughs> George! Get off your point, George, get off.
1: <laughs> Ian!
3: Ian, you know, ten years ago I phoned up out the were say, like, George! Shut up. <laughs> shut up. Shut up, shut your face. Ian. Ian. <sighs> Yeah, you've heard me ever continue tonight, <laughs> do you? know what the prophecy's like? I'll get off now. Copy, I've got to go. So what do you think of my impersonation?
1: Is <laughs> any good? I think they're uncanny. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. Flipping, eh?
0: The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio.
1: Okay, they told me to give the people what they want. It turns out you're into flipping weird animal willies. So I found this list that, uh, of things you must not Google. Okay, do not Google this. I mean, flipping it. It's a miracle. Life is a miracle. And I know Jeff Goldblum said life finds a way, but I don't know how in this one. Barnacles, if you had a look at that? Don't. Don't. Bed bugs do not look up. Flipping it. Honestly, perverts. Birds. I mean, birds... The uh, echidna, I mean, it looks like a hand. Dancing leopard slug, do not Google. Snail, It, it breaks off. Harvest mouse, I mean, they look cute. Don't look it up if you ever want to look one in the eye again. And The shark's got a clasper. Snakes, spiders, turtles. I mean... That's the Attenborough show that we're never going to see, and there's good reason for that. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Um staying with the animal kingdom, I'd like to hear your, and um, in, in completely unrelated arena, please, I would like to hear your moments of talking with the animals. I'm sure if you have a pet, you have a silent understanding sometimes, and there is a look in their eye and a look in yours that no one else would understand. If you speak animal language, let's hear it. 03444991000. We heard about people being able to kiss. You can kiss a cat without touching it, right? And it's just about slow eye movements. And I know there's plenty of cat fans out there, but I'm sure there's something similar with other animals. 03444991000. Um, there is this that's just come out, right? And we talk about this a fair bit on the show. The, the, the necessity. For some film makers to keep going over the same ground, right? There are some films that are so good or so unique or so of their time that it would be folly to make them again, right? And yet, I read in the news today that they're going to make Home Alone again. Home Alone without Macaulay Culkin who, you know, before we knew what was going on with Macaulay Culkin in his private life, and to be honest, I feel a little bit sorry for him for what went on during his childhood with his parents, you know, didn't he divorce his parents and all that kind of stuff was going on. It wasn't a happy time, but Macaulay Culkin was brilliant in Home Alone, absolutely brilliant in Home Alone. Home Alone 2. Don't know whether that needed to happen. Apparently there's a Home Alone 3 that I've never seen. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Other films that they should not touch, right? Because they're going to make it again. I have no idea why they would need to do that. In fact, these days Home Alone would end really quickly because that kid would be taken into care, wouldn't they? The next door neighbour would find out. Into care. And also, um, burglar alarms are so much better these days. So you wouldn't have the whole, higher pal. That wouldn't be going on. It wouldn't be possible. Fans of Home Alone have turned into Scrooges, says the Daily Star. I don't think they're turning into Scrooges. I think they're right. At the thought of Disney getting its hands on the iconic 90s movie, Disney's announced it will be remaking the Christmas film. I bet it's not going to be. A remake. Do you remember when there was that big furore about Ghostbusters, right? Oh, they're doing it with all birds. It's going to be awful. I watched it. It was pretty good. And actually, if you watch the old Ghostbusters, there's a lot of problem with it these days. Do you you like Ghostbusters? Just watch the beginning of it now after the whole Me Too thing. Pete Venkman is a sex pest, quite clearly, right? He starts out trying to get one of his students on her own. And there's a male student and a female student and they're testing out like ESP or something. And the whole thing is weighted in her favor and against the guy and obviously trying to get rid of the guy so he can be alone with her for obviously pervy motives. And then when he gets introduced to, to Dana and he's walking around her flat, he makes some, you know, not so subtle advances there as well. Looking at her bedroom and saying that nothing, she says nothing happens in there and he says, oh, damn shame or something like that. Anyway, he's a perv. So the news go, ghost, new Ghostbusters it wasn't really a new Ghostbusters. It was a different Ghostbusters and I thought it was brilliant. Oh, 03444991000. Four, there are some films though that we shouldn't be touching and I think you and I both know. Uh, Amy says, I've just tuned in and the first I hear weird animal willies. I think we're in for a treat. Uh, uh Nat Kimber, thanks Catherine for talking about animals. I've gone down a right rabbit hole now. I mean, and I'm looking at spiders, not really what I had in mind of looking up. Uh, if you'd like to give me a ring, I would appreciate it if you want to talk about that. Groovy, if you don't, even groovier. Um, Hi, Kath, that song you played at the beginning of your show. I absolutely love the track. Can you please give me the name? Yes, I can. It was Yes, and it was by McCullum and Butler, and it was just glorious. And I'd completely kind of forgotten about it, and I was looking through my iTunes earlier on and thought I would give it a play, and I'm not sorry. And it, just brilliant, massive and brilliant and overblown and pompous and just everything I love. Hey, Alastair. Evening. Hey, what's going on with you?
5: Hey, I'm glad that you're saying that I think you're you're feeling better now.
1: I think I am, yeah. I'm not coughing, which I was for the first hour yesterday and the day before. I had to keep putting my finger on the cough button in here while people were talking. But I'm all right today. I think I had a good old sleep today. I might be through the worst of it. So, Pride of Britain. I don't like to mention, obviously, that I'm in a world of pain. Pride of Britain. (laughs) If you'd like to get my uh, trophy in the post, I'd be, be glad to accept it.
5: I think so. I'm sorry, I'm just stamping a... A spider was coming towards me. I've just stamped it away.
1: Why? <laughs> well, I'm
5: not stamped on it. I've just stamped it so it goes to hide again from uh, me. And I'm not going to... I'm going to let it live for now.
1: Yeah, I, I think spiders... I know they're ugly and a bit creepy and all that, but they're nature's hoovers. Let them do their thing.
5: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I wouldn't... I do like animals. In fact, I used to have a dog, but, it. you know, in the middle of my madness... um I gave it back to the rescue centre because I thought it would be better to be looked after by them. Mm-hmm. But I still miss him. But um, anyway, if I st- stay stable for about two years, then I might consider getting another animal. Yeah. But not for now. Uh, but I used to speak to him, like you said, and uh, he used to speak to me. He gave me a look.
4: Yeah.
5: That said, I love living with you. <laughs>
1: Well, and what would, would that look look like?
5: It was like his little doggy head would turn, turn towards me and he'd have a little tear in his eye. <laughs> yeah? Oh, bless him. And um, well, I, used to, I used to give him a double can of dog
1: food. Oh, that will be what he was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> that will be, uh, where's my double can of dog food? I know if I do this face, this is what I get.
5: That's it. Anyway, uh, unfortunately, I've rung to um, resign from my Netflix correspondent uh, role, Kath. How come? Well, I keep going over Netflix and find things that I do like watching. So the the title of um, Netflix correspondent for watching things that people don't watch... I think I failed
1: right. at that. Right, because you watched things that you didn't enjoy.
5: Before, and now I'm watching things I like and probably other people like. All right,
1: for example?
5: Uh, Good Girls.
1: What's Good Girls?
5: It's, um the narrative is nicked off, um, you know, Breaking Bad. Yeah. So it's very much like that. Mm-hmm. It's about three housewives who are struggling with this and that, and especially financially and uh, get together to, um, unfortunately, um, go down a life of crime. And there's two seasons of it so far, and then they're making a third season to come out next year. Um,
1: and that's worth so a watch, is it?
5: Well, I like it. I never I watched mean... Breaking
1: Bad, so, I, you know, I, that's something oh, I, right. I, well, I mean to do at some point, because everyone goes on about it. Or is it, is it? Is it disappointing at the end? Is it one of those?
5: No, no, no they've, they've, uh, it's still going on. The 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 storyline. Um, it's it's very different. Obviously, the dynamics different because it involves you know three women yeah. rather than a bloke, um, two guys mainly in Breaking Bad. And I, I think it, I think it's kind of a bit more interesting for that reason alone because it, um, you know, it's look at to look at a, a woman's perspective if you like. Yeah. Uh, um, and then I found uh, another one today called uh, Black Spot, yeah. Right. which is about, um, it's a French-made, um, netf- well, Netflix,
1: but
5: it's... The well, I'm glad Netflix you finished Richard. that sentence. I
1: thought it was about French-made for a minute, and I thought... Oh, oh no, no.
5: <laughs> it's, um, it, it's about um, a French village where lots of weird things happen. It's the middle, middle, middle of a forest, and it's very weird. Oh, that sounds um, good. So that's okay.
1: I quite fancy um, that one. Did you ever see The Returned? Is that what they were called? Yes, yeah, It's called The Returned. Yes. Is it like that?
5: It's similar kind of atmosphere, but, but obviously the story is very different. Mm-hmm. But yes, that kind of, you know, that dread in the, in the background is always there,
1: mm-hmm.
5: if you know what I mean. The French
1: are good at that, aren't they?
5: Oh, uh, yeah, they, they seem to sort of uh, go down that route. And uh, I think the language helps, doesn't it?
1: I think so. I
5: think so. Now, am I right in thinking you can speak French?
1: Yeah, well, I could. I, I did it as um, my degree. I did French and Spanish. And at one point, I was better at French than I was at Spanish. But I haven't spoken French for such a long time. It's really rusty. And whenever I get sort of in a position where I'm going to speak French, I have to really stop the Spanish from coming out. It's it's a weird thing. All
5: right. But, so yeah. could you listen to a French program and, and understand it without looking at the subtitle?
1: Yeah, pretty much excellent the language changes you know all my slang is probably from the 1990s so it's all you know but but i i I would catch up yeah i'd catch up there's a weird thing that happens where you kind of have to sort of relax your brain and stop trying so much and that's when yeah and that's when it comes in but um yeah i'll check that out what's that show called again remind me
5: um it's called black spot
1: right i'll have some of that thanks for that alistair
5: have you got netflix
1: i haven't but i know someone who has if you know what i mean
5: Anyway, so um, enjoyed the rest of your show and enjoy the rest of your week.
1: Thanks, you too.
5: Are you looking forward to him coming back? I am. Yet?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, am. I am. I do miss him and it's a lot easier when there's the two of us. I'm not massively used to sitting here talking, you know, into a microphone and waiting for people to call by myself. Although yeah, it's what I used to do yeah. all the time at one point. But yeah, it's so much easier when it's just us two messing around and making each other laugh.
5: Well, I think the shows have been really good, by the way.
1: So. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Yeah.
5: Have a, good, have a good night,
1: Kath. You too. Take care, Alistair. Bye. Let's have a quick word with... I'll tell you what, we'll have a word with Nigel after this little break. Uh, can have a drink of water and we can uh, just regroup a little bit.
0: The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio.
1: 03444991000. We can talk about whatever you fancy. And to demonstrate that, here's Nigel. Evening, Nigel.
6: Oh, Evening, Kath. What's going on? I I've got a song another song for you tonight. Uh, the Barry Manilow, I, I write the songs.
1: Okay. It's the one song I you didn't like write.
6: It's it's the one of the a backing tape with, it's only me singing, it won't be singing over the top for anyone else, it should sound should
1: sound better. It should sound A plus plus. Yeah. What kind of a it's day have you had, Nigel? Day. Before you burst Hello? into song? I said what kind of, what I said what kind of day have you had?
4: Um
6: you you can hear me clearly, can't you? This is the best baseball I've got it now, I think. Uh, I, I had a good day. went into Tunbridge, cycled into Tunbridge uh, for, to get a bit of shopping, and, and uh, as I always do, mm-hmm. and um, check the bank out and things, you know, little things you have to check out.
1: Yeah, little missions. Um,
6: yeah, um, and I, things that I forget, like underarm um, deodorant, I keep forgetting. I got it today, because every time I get home, I've forgotten
1: it. Oh, blimey, don't forget that on a hot day like this, Nigel. Uh,
6: no, you need your deodor- deodorant every night, don't you, for you well, you it. You do? Yeah. <laughs> anyway so um have you had a good day
1: i've had a really good day i was asleep all day
6: it was brilliant oh no i heard you on the beginning of the show i heard what you said at the beginning of hey, the show nigel you were
1: listening that's brilliant
6: hmm. i always listen on and off but obviously not all the time as i not to sing and, i wouldn't be able to listen and sing at the same time of course you wouldn't
1: let's not be ridiculous <laughs> about things
6: i <laughs> what i've got a kylie video on with the sound down it's it's the one in australia
1: live in um Sydney, that okay. one. Well, I, I'm not going to ask why you've got the sound down.
6: Well, it's like I'm watching it while I was listening to, the, to you on the phone. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, but it, have you seen that one live in Sydney? <laughs> Probably
1: with the sound up, yeah.
6: Yeah, with the sound up. It's the one where she does the pole dancing uh, with some girls. You don't re- recall that one?
1: No, it's not one that leaps to mind. She's very good, though, so, isn't she? Very limber.
6: She's very good, isn't she, at dancing? Yeah, she's brilliant. But this is, no, but this is 10 years ago. This was 10 years ago, this one. So she's, you know, she's got more life in her there. I don't mean that. I don't mean that, Kylie. Sorry, Kylie.
1: Kylie's listening and going, you cheeky bugger.
6: Well, you do get, I I keep falling asleep after 20 miles. I, I got, I have my dinner on the bed in the bedroom. So I always eat on my bed. Yeah. And, um, I put my feet up and I, I dozed off and, um, and I'm wondering, is there anything wrong with me getting so tired? Well,
1: you've just, you, you cycled 20 miles, Nigel.
6: Yes, but is that normal to feel tired
1: yeah. afterwards? Yeah, I'd feel tired after one mile.
6: You're At 62, a- I know I'm 62, I suppose that
1: doesn't help But well, That's right. another thing, you're going to be falling asleep in armchairs. Mm. This is this is the future.
6: But I, I, I've got to get used to it, I suppose, and need to have a nap in between, you
1: know. Exactly, if you got to sleep, you've got to sleep. But you are looking after yourself, yeah. you're eating and everything, aren't you?
6: Yeah, so, yes, it was after I had some fish and chips, and then I felt, after the food, I felt tired of
1: Yeah, of course you will, because you've just had a massive carb shot, so that'll, that'll yeah. make you, um, yeah, a nice little nap after fish and chips, exactly what the doctor yeah. ordered, or, you It or doesn't
6: really matter what I eat, I always feel tired when I've, when I've eaten something.
1: Yeah, that happens. That mm. happens.
6: Don't uh, m- I'm never tired when I'm cycling, because I was racing. I raced home, you see, like I put a bit of power into it. Yeah.
1: Well, it's no wonder uh, you're knackered.
6: Yeah, in Top Gear, I was doing 20 miles an hour.
1: Freaking heck, Nigel.
6: Yeah, because, you know, I used to race, and I've got medals for at racing, motor, uh, cycle racing. I didn't med-
1: know that. I knew about the drumming and the singing, but I didn't know about the cycling. No,
6: no. I've I got a medal somewhere, but I did um, uh, 10 miles in 29 minutes. Uh, wow. Wait, it's, half, it's 10 miles in half an hour, so.
1: That's very impressive.
6: It is good, isn't it? Yeah. But some of the, the great cyclists were doing it in 22 and 24. I know, but that's all
1: uh, they do all day.
6: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I better do the song for the machine goes funny. So this is I Write the Songs by, by Barry Manilow. All right, then. Oh, yeah,
1: here we go. And, and while you're singing, I I'm imagining do like Kylie that, doing a pole dance, which is what you'll be watching.
6: I hope that, uh, Kylie enjoys it as well. She loves it. <laughs> here we go. I'll, I'll memorise the words. Brilliant. I'll, I'll turn it up there. A bit Go then. on, let it rip.
7: Go, Catherine. I've been alive forever And I wrote the very first song I put the words and the melodies together. I am music, and I write the song. I write the songs that make the whole world sing. I write the songs of love and special things. I write the songs that make the young girls cry. I write the songs, I write the
4: songs.
7: My home lies deeply within you, and I've got my own praise in your soul. Now when I look out through your eyes I am young and keen, even though I'm very old I write the songs that make the whole world sing I write the songs of love a special things I write the songs that make the young girls cry I write the song, I write the song. Come on now, Now music breaks you down, and it gives your spirit a chance to write a rock and roll till so you can. Music fills your heart but well, it's a real fine place to start It's for me, it's to you, it's to you, it's to me It's a worldwide symphony I like the songs that make the whole world sing I write the songs of a special thing Yeah, yeah I like the songs that make the young girls cry. I write the songs, I write the songs. I write the songs that make the whole world sing. I write the songs of love, special things. I write the songs that make the young girls cry. I write the songs. I write the songs. Yeah, yeah, I am music, and I write the song.
8: I write the song. I
4: write.
1: Hey. I've not got right. it quite clear though. Who wrote the songs again? Uh, pardon? Nothing. There was a lot of key Nothing. changes I know you're in there. Joking, yeah. I know. There's a lot of key changes in there, Nigel.
6: Yeah, the key change. My throat's a bit dry. That's why I couldn't. I wasn't perfect, but I need to sip it.
1: I thought you yeah, did a like great some
6: job. Difficult key, key changes.
1: He loves them, doesn't he? Oh, Barry Mann, I, I like.
6: I like doing it though.
1: I I like listening to it. Thanks very much for ringing, Nigel.
6: <laughs> Thank you.
1: All right, you take D- care.
6: Say good night. Uh, good night, and I'll listen to the show in a minute.
1: Oh, you're a good one. Is Kylie sorry. still on, or are you, oh. you going to turn her off? Dick, have you recorded it? Well, it's it's just gone out on the radio, Nigel. Oh, I want.
6: Well, I can't. I'd like to hear myself back to see what it sounds like. Well, have, a know, li-
1: have a listen to listen again tomorrow. Mm. All right?
6: I will do it. Yeah, okay then. Bye, Catherine. Thanks.
1: You're a good Nigel, no, night. no. Barry Manilow, worried. Nigel's got his number and you can do that and watch Kylie Minogue pole dancing at the same time. Who can boast of that? That is a proper talent. If you want to give me a ring, 0344 499 is the number. You can talk about whatever you feel like. Um, we've been talking about all sorts, uh, from the grubby to... Uh, ah, we're going to talk about something um, holy, actually, that turns out that is not quite what it seems, astonishingly. Um, over the last couple of days, if you look at like Facebook in particular, not so much Twitter, because I think it's more of a Facebook thing, Apparently a church in Kenya welcomed the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself, into their church. And uh, there was photographic evidence, so it must be legit. Well, the person wearing the Jesus Christ garb has come forward and said, I am not the Messiah, but who is he? Well, we'll talk about it after the news. If you want to give me a shout, 0344 499 I've got Mark, I've got Chris, but I've always got time for you too.
0: The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. Beach Radio, with a difference. Talk Radio.
1: 344-499-1000. By the way, if you're going away, right, and you're looking for a book to read by the pool, Lily Allen's done a brilliant one. My God, how that woman survived, I don't know. I'm Catherine Boyle, 0344 499 1000 is the number to call if you fancy a gab. Hello, Mark.
9: Good evening,
1: Cass. Good good evening.
9: So, I've got a couple of things for you. Show me them. So, the films that shouldn't be remade or have a second one made. Yeah. Frozen.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. I'm there. they
9: they They are doing another one that's out soon in the cinema.
1: Yeah, they'll do a live action one at some point That's what they do at the moment, isn't it? But it might be a while for that one Because that was pretty yeah. new Have you been into Saw the Lion King? Not yet, but I was thinking about taking it the girls amazing. next week Is it awful? It's amazing Oh, Very it's good? amazing Right
9: yeah. Well, I, I really enjoyed it uh-huh. I took the guys that I support And that was amazing
1: Right, because Beyonce is one of the voices in that So I'm in straight away yeah,
9: well I I don't really remember the cartoon one from watching it as a, as a kid. Yeah. But if it was that good, then, yeah.
1: Yeah. Brilliant. So, okay, I'm in. I'm glad you said that, because if you'd have told me... I'm still going to go, whether you tell me it's rubbish or not, because I've got to do something with these kids. Stop them climbing the walls. Uh-huh. Go on, then. Which which Thanks. is... What else have you got there?
9: So, you were talking about pets earlier. Yeah. I've got a cat that we rescued nine months ago.
4: Uh-huh.
9: And I've posted a picture of on Instagram. She's got, like, a bed she can sleep in, like, her own bed, sofas, beds upstairs, and she chooses to sleep on a carpet.
1: Yep, it's spoiled really rotten, boring. but they choose to sleep, I mean, in the place that they choose to sleep. This is what happens with cats, isn't it?
9: Yeah, it really bugs me.
1: Yeah, so that's, do you know what? Same with kids, right? When we had our first baby, we bought them all the toys under the sun, beautiful, like, expensive, fluffy toys you can bet that the crappiest one is the one that they'll attach themselves to, and that's the one that has to go everywhere. Uh-huh. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. But, um, so what's your cat called? Lily. Lily. She's
9: already called Lily, so
1: we kept it. Uh-huh. And, you went, uh, and you went and picked she, her out, did you?
9: Yeah, we got her from the um, cat protection. So, yeah, we rescued her. But mm-hmm. she had a really good home before but the lady who had a had to move out of her flat and she couldn't find anywhere else to go that allowed pets mm-hmm. so she'd been spoiled already because she's a she's a short-haired english blue oh gorgeous yeah she's a really nice cat we was really lucky so for something that could cost you a couple of hundred quid we got for 60.
1: yeah i was going to say my sister's just got a new kitten and he is half ragdoll and half English blues. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, the gorgeous animal. Yeah, yeah. And he's really friendly, which is unusual, because the cat she had before was my nemesis and hated my guts. It's,
9: well, I think Lily hates me. She's so more about my best friend who I live with. Oh, really? Yeah, she hates me, even though I feed her. I buy her pet food. I buy her toys.
1: You're just a because servant. I even
9: paid for her. <laughs>
1: they're not known for gratitude though are they let's be fair no anyway we had go on go on you
9: we had a a savage springer spaniel first so i think we've done quite well with lily we had a springer spaniel that had something called springer rage
1: what springer rage
9: yeah it's a bit like adhd oh blimey the anger side and i was my hand was savage one day, so we had to get rid.
1: Oh blimey! So it, th- this this had been a problem since you got her, or?
9: Well, I. He was only a pup. He was, mm. but because we both work a lot, and it was probably our fault.
1: Right. Who so was
9: at home a lot on its own.
1: Right, and they get frustrated. Yeah. So yeah, so then we decided to get a pussy cat. Who, uh, who, by the sound of things, couldn't give a toss whether you were there or not.
9: No, she's <laughs> not so, yeah.
1: Are you working? And that was it. I was going to One... say to you, you working tonight?
9: Yeah, I'm on my sleepover bit. We've had such an hectic night. It must be a full moon or something. Really? There's been, like, lots of falling outs and fights.
1: Oh, blimey, it sounds like an episode I... of Geordie Shore. What's going on? It,
9: it is awful tonight. I've had, like, five days off and then I've come back to this. hmm I'm sure they've done it on purpose. I'm sure the other staff have put up to them.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. sounds well, like you need to get question. some shut-eye then, Mark.
9: My last question... Yeah, go on. ...is when are you both, you and Ian going to come to Nottingham to do a, a rabbit hole?
1: Now, there's a point. I haven't been to Nottingham, like, properly for ages, and, I, you know, I used to live there, so I, I'm always uh, up for that. I'll have a word with him and see what happens, but... It very much depends where we've got an audience. Do you know what I mean? So we'll have a look. We'll have a look. I, can, I can't tell well, you I'll be there that. anyway. <laughs> right. We'll come and see Mark. That'll be worthwhile. <laughs> that. All right. Well, nice to hear from you, Mark. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers for man. ringing. Bye bye. 03444991000 if you want to give me a buzz. Hello, Chris. Hello, Catherine. Hello.
10: Hi there. Right. I got a problem again.
1: Oh, no. What now?
10: I know. It's terrible. I I nip over to my local um, convenience store, mm-hmm. and they keep on trying to sell me condoms. It's terrible.
1: Now this has happened before, hasn't it, Chris?
10: I, yes, I know. I mentioned this, and I couldn't believe it when I, when I went over there um, earlier on today. I, I, and I I said to to, to the young girl who, who was sort of Quite oh, you behave yourself.
1: <laughs> now, let me ask you a serious question, Chris. Go on. Is there anything about your demeanour that would suggest that you're in there to buy no, rubbers?
10: No, 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 <laughs> no. I, I said I, I've never mentioned. See, they wind me up all, over the over the spa shop there. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> and they, so they serve me. And they said, oh, he's laughing now, isn't he? And I said, no. I, it's terrible, it is. I only asked for a, a part of the crisps. What flavour? <laughs> it's terrible, Catherine.
1: I think the problem is, Chris, that you are deliciously wind upable.
10: Well, if, if, if you can't give it and take it, I suppose, they wind me up. I always buy them things. I do. I, I, see, I'm too kind, am.
1: You're probably right. Here's how you silence them next time, though, Chris. Say you'll take a pack and ask them if they've got well, like, extra
10: well, large. I, see, I, <laughs> I
1: said
10: my niece, I said, right, I'm going to really wind them up. Yes. I'm, I'm going to put five of them on my fingers and go. Oh, my God. I, I, I can't do that, Catherine.
1: No, that might be a step too far.
10: I know, I can't, I
1: can't. But also, to, it's a to, terrible waste. To, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you, you never know.
10: I, 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 I said to the, well, I say this little girl over there, she, she's in, in her 30s or whatever, and I, I say to, Kim, Kimberly. Like, I, I bought her a wedding present. I did. Um, she's a nice young girl. I, I, I even say to her over the spa there, I said, I've been coming over here for 20 years. You should respect me. I'm a customer. I'll have you know. <laughs> of
1: course, I bet they find that hilarious, don't they?
10: <laughs> yes. Like, I, I said, right, I, I think, even the other woman, what's she been winding you up about now, Chris?
1: Yeah, they all know.
10: It's just bloody condoms. <laughs> bloody hell. It's it's terrible. I
1: know, isn't it rude, though?
10: I don't. Well, I don't.
1: You should be taking your custom elsewhere.
10: I've told them. I I I, to, I told I told the manager over there. I said, Christ, sort this shop? I said, it's not a waitrose over here, is it? Certainly not. I, I said, if if I win the lottery, I said, I'll I'll, I'll I'll invest lots of money in this shop. I said, I'll have this shop sparkled up like. Um,
1: um, like a sparkly thing? No. No. Like a shiny thing?
10: Well, you're not from South Wales, are you.
1: No. What gave you that impression?
10: Well, as you come in, right, if you come on the train back from from Paddington to Swansea,
4: mm-hmm.
10: right, as you come in, you pass the steelworks and it's lit up like, well. I know it's quite bright actually. I can still see enough. Then I can. So so, I, so like I, that. I, oh, I even though I'm blind, I can still see.
1: Yeah.
10: I know. I go over the shop, and I, I right. I can still see, even though my ex-girlfriend said, ah, "Why, why do you say you can't see, Chris?" Why do you say that? Uh, you know, if I go into a shop, I say, uh, um, "Excuse me, I can't see very well." And uh, my ex, she's uh, oh, French. See, sorry, I can't speak. I I was just listening. I know you can speak French.
1: I can a bit, but probably not good enough for your ex-girlfriend. She sounds like a very precise person.
10: Well, no, she is French. I know. She was born in...
1: France? Paris. Yeah.
10: And I haven't got a bleeding clue what she's talking about. Oh. So I I just, say, uh, I just speak Welsh to her.
1: Okay, well, I mean, that's probably why it didn't work out, huh?
10: No. It, it didn't work out because I just panicked all the time. I panicked when people come round like I got my niece and her husband and and the three kids coming down and I'm going to take them out for the weekend and I'll take them out I will I'm starting to panic again I do I'm a panicker
1: And and what does the panic make you do
10: well I just won't answer the door oh right I know it's terrible
1: no, it's not terrible. It's understandable. Were you like this when you could see?
10: No, I don't think so.
1: Mm-hmm.
10: It's just one of those things, yeah. I suppose. Yeah.
1: It must be strange, you know, when you kind of... You want to know where everything is, don't you? If you can't see so well.
10: Oh, gosh. I, I've sacked my cleaners.
1: Oh, really? Why? Because I move stuff. Yes. hmm
10: I, I always say to them, please, 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 please put things back slightly where we moved them from.
1: Yeah. They won't get it, though. They won't understand how much of a difference it makes to you.
10: No, but that's not a bad thing because, you know, I had an argument with a doctor the other day.
1: Oh, no, why? Because they said to him,
10: you haven't had any visual awareness training, have you? And, you know, most people don't. They don't.
1: Do you think it might be useful?
10: Well, I've done it.
1: Yeah, so you have done it. People. And what difference did it make?
10: Well, it. it you know, I, I, I don't expect people to, to be... Um, That's because I can't see. It doesn't mean that I expect everybody else not to be able to see. Yeah. I I don't expect that. I I
1: thought that visual awareness, that's not what I thought that that training was that you were talking about. I thought that was more about, you know, being confident going out and stuff. Yes. Is that what it is?
10: Yes. I suppose so. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I've lost all my confidence.
1: Yeah, do you know what? I can tell a bit, Chris. What do you mean? Well,
10: I do.
1: because you know, even sometimes when we're ch- we're chatting and we might not be, you know, I know sometimes we have a laugh and a joke and we might rib you a bit. Like that. But yeah, some, yeah I, I know sometimes I, you I, like I, it, but sometimes I, I, I think I like you
10: take it. Yeah. I spoke over you then. That's all right. No, I what I was
1: going to say is, sometimes I think you take things to heart when we didn't mean it that way, and that's probably because no, no, of that lack no, of confidence. No, no,
10: no, no. No, I do not take things to so heart. No, I don't. Really? I think you're you doing, think I take I think, things to so heart?
1: I think you're doing it now a bit, and I'm just trying to be nice.
10: <laughs> I've not, uh, Catherine, honestly, I don't take things to so heart. Okay. No, I don't. Okay. I I like to have a laugh. Good. Good. As I said, uh, with those girls and guys over the shop, they wind me up talking about bleeding condoms.
1: (laughs) But that's become the running joke now, hasn't it?
10: I know it. uh, It's terrible. I uh, I think it's terrible,
1: actually. Do you really think it's terrible, or do you think it's a bit of a giggle?
10: I think it's a bit of a giggle. Oh,
1: there we go. There we go.
10: Have a nice evening,
1: Carl. You I too, think? Chris. Thanks for ringing.
0: Yeah, all the best. night no, night
1: no. 0344 499 four, 1000.
0: Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio.
1: So, Disney's talking about reimagining Home Alone like it needs reimagining. They made four of them, apparently, in the end. Four. I think I watched the second one and thought, yeah, I think I might be done. The first one's a classic. It's a classic that I'm still happy to show my kids and they still find funny, right? I'm not sure it needs making again. But uh, yeah, that's the news today that um, Bob Iger, the Disney CEO, said the company will be reimagining the 1990s Christmas classic for its long awaited streaming service, Disney Plus. Ah, okay, I get you. Along with Night at the Museum, Cheaper by the Dozen, and Diary of a Wimpy Kid. That's quite new, though, isn't it? My kids still watch that. When was that made? What, 2000? So that is is that ancient now? What seems to happen is that they believe that um if a kid's not grown up with something and they can't look across and see it that it's like Ariana Grande or someone that they you know, that they that they, they is from their generation, they don't want to watch it anymore. That's absolute balls. At Home alone is an absolute beauty, right? It doesn't need anything doing to it. In fact it would be spoiled, I think, from doing it again but then again I, they're not making it for me are they uh, so yeah any other films that they shouldn't touch Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. I mean they we're talking about reimagining Citizen Kane next I know not quite the same ballpark but there are some films that are just beautiful and shouldn't be messed about with Oh uh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. if you fancy a ring about that I'll give you loads of phoning points but you know you don't have to stick to them you can phone me about whatever you want to I found it really interesting talking to Chris just then I got a little bit more from him than we usually do Maybe that's just because I had a bit more time. If you fancy having a, uh, a gab, 0344 499 1000. I told you at the top of the show about this um, furore in South Africa. About people calling for this guy's arrest at one point because um, social media made out that this guy was um, the second coming of Jesus Christ, basically. Not basically, completely. um Suggestions that this guy has been going around Kenya pretending to be a fake Jesus Christ are completely untrue, though, according to the man himself. His name is Michael Job. Um, there has been outcry in uh, Kenya this week, but this guy is taken to social media to explain his side of the story. Um, this is from the SouthAfrican.com dot com. South Africans and Kenyans. Well, I saw it on, on Facebook, I think, and it was quite a startling image. It was, you know, a Kenyan church uh, pastor standing next to a guy who was the kind of, archetypal blonde blue-eyed jesus that kind of depicts the kids bibles that you may have grown up with if you grew up in in europe um i do wonder and this is the thing right i don't believe in god anymore but i was brought up in the church of england and and believed everything till i was about 12 13 i think and I could never work out when I was a kid why no one believed Jesus when he said he was who he was and how people could be so cruel as to not believe him because he was like magic and he was doing these amazing things all the time and it was quite obvious that he was who he said he was and, you know, that was that's the way it was kind of fed to me at school. In fact, I remember one particular occasion where we had this cool curate and he must have been about 23 or something. Um, which, you know, bearing in mind the vicar was probably in his forties and therefore ancient. We thought he was a cool dude, right? And this curate came in around Easter time and he was one of these people who did kind of alternative teaching. And it was clever what he did. He was telling us about the, um, sort of betrayal of Jesus after the last supper and, and then, you know, the Easter story and then him reappearing and no one believing when uh, the disciples went out and told people about it, they, they weren't believed. And to demonstrate what they were up against, and bear in mind he's talking to sort of six-year-olds plus, six to nine-year-olds. This guy ate a daffodil. Yeah, just pulled one off from a, from a vase nearby and ate it. And he went, you go home and tell your parents that the curate a daffodil in assembly today and they won't believe you. And that's kind of what the disciples went through. You know, it was one of those moments. And it's, I've never forgotten it. I've never forgotten it. So he won in that way. Didn't win my soul, unfortunately. But that whole thing about believing completely when you're a kid. I could never work out why, you know, we when Jesus came back, of course, everyone recognised it. But how would we know, right? most of us are really cynical. Someone comes back these days and tells us that they're Messiah. They'll get laughed out of the place and there have been a few. What if one of them was right? What we put them in, you know, we'd put them in the same filing cabinet. Wouldn't we, under... You know, here's another one. Anyway, so, uh, back to this story. Um, the guy who uh, was in the video that's shocked and outraged people across South Africa, uh, his name is Michael Job. And, uh, he says he's been a victim of fake news. And he never said that he was the Messiah. He didn't say he was a very naughty boy either. He says he's an actor. And this is what he's put on social media. Hey, guys, just to let you know, there have been many false fake news reports here in Kenya about me. I just did nine days of crusades. Yes, he's using the word crusade. In uh, Ongata Rogai, Kintagla, T- Kintagela and Kisarian, Kenya, where many people were saved and healed, he wrote on Facebook. I dressed up as Jesus during these crusades, my awesome friends, and I performed many plays focusing on the life of Christ. Some people, known as internet trolls, have made many false reports about me claiming to be Jesus. Jesus' second coming starting in Kenya, me being found and worshipped in churches, and me being deported with pastors from the country, all of which are fake news. Um, The misinformation, this article says, around the topic is rife, with plenty of websites trying to cash in on the potential hysteria and anger of claiming to be the second coming of Jesus Christ. The thing is, though, Job has never claimed to actually be Jesus. He was invited there by local evangelists and is an actor that has played the role of Jesus on several occasions, so there really is nothing sinister about this at all. Um, He writes, I've gotten many messages and just wanted to let you know I'm still here in Kenya, preaching in schools. Hundreds of children are making decisions for Jesus every day, he wrote. This morning, many students surrendered their lives to Jesus, and we're going to the next school right now. Thank you for praying for us. And also, please do not pay attention to the fake news or any attention the media publications of which posted these things. May the Lord ad- abundantly bless you. So, facts about fake Jesus, Michael Job, says the South African dot com. He's an American citizen. He's an actor, evangelist and president of the Jesus Loves You Evangelistic Ministries. Actor, evangelist and president of the Jesus Loves You Evangelistic Ministries. That's a website I'm going to check out in a minute. He was first spotted in Kenya walking and dancing in the streets of Kisari and dancing, addressed uh, as the Messiah, leading to the proliferation of the fake Jesus rumour. He was invited to Kenya to preach at the Kasserian mega interdenominational church during a three day crusade, rather ominously titled Soul's Harvest Campaign. Flipping out. There's an appetite for this, though, isn't there? I mean, there is an appetite for this stuff. Incredible. Anyway, he's come forward to say he's not the Messiah. He's an actor. The likes dressing up as him and harvesting souls. 03444991000 if you want to give me a buzz. I'd uh, love to take your call. We can talk about whatever you fancy. Um... We can talk about pets. Apparently um many men are swapping partners for cats and realizing something that apparently women found out a long time ago is that you can rely a lot but more on your cat than you can upon a partner. Uh there's also um this story about staring at seagulls to stop them pinching your chips. Apparently it takes them twenty-one seconds uh twenty-one seconds longer, which actually doesn't sound like an awful lot. They'll still go after your chips, but if you're looking at them, it takes them twenty-one seconds longer to approach. Um yeah, other tips and tricks you've got, please, for animal uh, behaviour. We can talk about that, whatever you fancy. Um, lots of comments about Chris's call. Thanks very much for those. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, Oliver saying that he's enjoying the music tonight. She'll probably mention when I said I'm enjoying the music, I meant Kaiser Chiefs and Lily Allen, not Barry Manilow and Nigel. No offence to either. Listen, I think Barry Manilow is a genius. The man... I am was a closet fan hello. I think... I'm ready to come out. Yeah, I'm a fan of Lo. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. And if he was to come and play over in his country, I'll be more than willing to listen to a bootleg of it.
0: The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. You never know just where the conversation will take you on Talk Radio.
1: Here's something. 344 1000 by the way. Here's something. Do you think you can find real friendships online with people you might never meet? Right. And maybe that's part of the thing. Maybe you're the sort of person who doesn't really like going out and making new friends. But actually, um, social media allows you to have that level of distance that means you can maybe feel freer to have more kind of intimate conversations. Not like that. Or maybe like that. But Facebook friends apparently are better than neighbors these days. This is according to um, a historian I've been reading about Mail Online. Joe Lawrence, this guy, he says the virtual generation has more meaningful relationships than those of the face-to-face generation, which sounds like balls when you first read it. You know, you think, well, what could be better than meeting someone in real life? But that's kind of potluck, isn't it, who you end up living next door to? I'm really lucky that my neighbours are friendly and they're cool and we can watch each other's houses when we go away and stuff and they'll put my bins out and bring them back in and do all that. But we're not best mates and it's just kind of accident that we live near each other, but they're all really pleasant people. But I wouldn't dream of, I don't know, we haven't been inside each other's houses really or anything like that. Some people are like that, that they're in and out of each other. It's like Neighbours. I haven't watched Neighbours for years, but one of the things I really remember was when I first started watching Neighbours is that everyone seemed to just walk in and out of each other's houses, right? And the other thing about Neighbours was if you're in the living room and someone was talking in the kitchen, sometimes you could hear them. Like if they were talking about you, they'd be able to overhear it. But sometimes they couldn't hear it when you something that you needed to hear, they couldn't. It was a weird thing. Anyway, all these open plan houses. I digress. So the days of that kind of behavior are pretty much over, aren't they? Where people walk in and out of each other's houses and and it's all groovy like that. But apparently the virtual generation... I've got something on the older generation in terms of being able to find proper relationships, something that's more than just a sort of passing politeness over the fence. John Lawrence, who is the um, associate history professor at the University of Exeter, believes that social media friends are better than neighbours because we get to choose them. I mean, have you met someone on social media that you would now consider a proper friend? maybe someone that's helped you through a really tough time that started out as someone that you met, I don't know, playing games or um, chatting about music or whatever it might be or laughing at the same cat videos. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. At what point does it spill over into real life? And has it ever gone wrong from go- taking it into real life? I'd be really interested to hear from you because this guy's talking kind of in theory, but you 've probably lived it oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand have you got people that you would consider real friends that you 've met on Facebook or Twitter I mean Twitter we slag off a fair bit on this show because it can be a right old cesspit, and some of the messages that we get are awful, but there is also um there's also a real kind of camaraderie that can be found on twitter and i know that a lot of people who listen to this show for example sort of chat to each other and get on that uh, online and might never meet each other because you're one of you's in scotland and maybe one of you is right at the other end of the uh, of england and you know living on the coast and some people don't go out so much anymore but this kind of allows you to feel free to have a little chat and, and do things that you wouldn't be able to do in real life anyway i I'd like to hear your stories, 0344-499-1000. This John Lawrence, the associate history professor at the University of Exeter, believes that your social media friends are probably better than your neighbours these days. He said, in the past, communities were forged by proximity, closeness, which often resulted in feuding neighbours and families with nowhere else to turn. Ain't, Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Everyone had a family on the street that was known as that family. And if you didn't, probably yours but now people have much more freedom to choose what they do and do not want to connect with leading to a larger and stronger group of friends this is um what professor lawrence told the times um, he says this means that virtual relationships can be stronger than real life ones from you re- from years past hey there's a thing thinking about friends i had when i was a kid i don't think i kept in touch with any not for the whole time. Some of us kind of drift in and out of each other's lives and and that's cool and there's an understanding there that, you know, we'll always know each other at some point and it doesn't matter if we don't speak for years on end. But I can't think of one of my close friends that I've known before kind of late teens. They're probably still my closest friends of people I've known late teens and I might be done for friends, you know, you know, when you think I've got probably five really good, strong friends, do you need many more than that? I've got loads of people I can chat and have a laugh with. If I go out, you know, I kind of grew up in, uh, in the area where I live now. And so I'll, pro- I'll see someone I know r- vaguely, someone I might have gone to school with and I can have a gab and a laugh with them. I don't have to stand on my own, but when the brown stuff hits the fan, I've probably got five people I can count on and who would do anything for me and i would do anything for them and i think that i'm pretty rich in that um that's all you need five is a lot in fact you probably only need a couple anyway um back to this study there's enormous potential for social connection present in these technologies and we need to think in a joined up way about how social media can allow people to connect in the way that they wish because people are snobbish about social media friends aren't they and sort of say they're not real i know that a lot of you out there have got you listening now have probably got someone that you don't really know but you connect with on social media a fair bit and you might tell more than someone you see all the time. Um, there's a danger we get wedded to this idea and it has to be about face-to-face relations that are based on physical proximity and on a very mythological view of what community was. The historian has studied various interviews conducted with hundreds of people in post-war communities across Britain. His findings are going to be published in his book, me 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 the search for community in post-war england that actually sounds like an absolute belt in the interview with paul ross i know he'd love that the professor believes people used to keep to themselves a lot more to avoid trouble and were wary of their neighbors do you talk to your neighbors or have you got those neighbors that no one talks to or are you that neighbor this led to people relying more on family members but their proximity could make relationships fraught he believes a small distance is healthy To build happy and mutual relationships. Social networks have been criticised for engendering isolation, bullying and poor mental health. All that can happen. We know all that can happen. But it can also be brilliant. So, um, yeah, tell me about your mates that you've made on social media. I'd love to hear about it. And I know that there are some really special bonds that have been formed um, online. And it's not weird anymore. When I first started out doing phone-in radio, I remember us doing loads of phone-ins on, oh God, why would you want to meet someone online, dating online, and all that stuff. And I know that it's also fraught with pitfalls. There was that woman in the news that we heard about who had had this relationship with a guy who was a complete con-, con artist. And you can, that is the danger, isn't it? You can be whoever you want to online, and people can, you know, live parallel lives and all that stuff. But actually. I know people who've met their husbands, wives, you know, life partners online and it's not weird anymore. It's really not weird anymore. So things are changing. 0344-499-1000. Give me a shout. Tell me all about it.
0: The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. You never know just where the conversation will take you. On Talk Radio.
1: Hello, talking tonight about people you meet online and how it's not just uh, weirdos these days that do date- online dating. It's become kind of a fact of life and people are too busy often and don't want to be hanging around bars. I mean, when I was in in my courting days, it would be a matter of going to the right pub with your friends, drinking too much and falling in someone's mouth and then hoping you still liked them in the, ne- the next day. It was that kind of thing society's changed. People aren't doing that so much. You look at um, the sort of 20-somethings, they're a lot more into fitness and stuff and a lot less into drinking, some of them. I mean, I know it's one of those things that's never going to go away and sometimes I don't think it should. But um, it's not necessarily all about... I mean, I remember going out to pubs and clubs when I was in my mid-twenties, and you'd be able to find my friends under, I mean, a cloud of smoke, and there was a load of pint, empty pint pots. I mean, we were not a healthy generation by any stretch of the imagination. This lot, they're a bit more kind of switched on when it comes to to what their bodies look like, and not necessarily in a brilliantly healthy way, but, um you know, I didn't used to see people jogging my age when I was growing up, put it that way. They do that these days. There's no shame in it. I can't imagine what my mates would have said if they'd have seen me jogging up and down the street, and you know, taking selfies and letting other people see them. If my sister had found pictures that I'd taken of myself, like in sexy poses, the way people do these days, and put them online, she would have had a field day. She would have absolutely bloody loved it. Things have changed, and so now it's all about kind of your online presence and the kind of um, uh, the kind of uh, profile you portray to the outside world. Through that kind of artificial layer that is that is I don't know Twitter Facebook Instagram all that stuff oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand I don't know what I'm trying to say but you know if you want to have a gab about that if you met someone and had a proper relationship online or if you've had an online nightmare give us a shout and let's talk about it here's Susan hey Susan hello um yeah it's on a different subject you know you remember you
11: told me to ring you back oh yeah I'm in Blackpool and I oh, yeah. with my friends well, um, it started, the hotel is not haunted or anything, Well, I haven't seen anything here. But we um, have heard from the local people and the book in their ghost book of Blackpool. Um, there's um, a tram that has been seen, a 702 tram. What? Yes, I... they've seen uh, one or two, you know, it was in their books of the haunted um, Blackpool. Yeah. And. Um, when they complain about it, because they say it doesn't stop, uh, the person obviously of the company like tells them, "Oh, we haven't had that tram. Ever. It hasn't hasn't gone on the tram for years, you know." But there's been some people that have seen this tram, and it's the 702. Oh, but there might be but There could be some people from Blackpool listening to you that might know more about this.
1: Oh, I'd love to know more. I, the, only, the, the only Blackpool ghost story I know about isn't, isn't there someone called, now I'm, I may be mangling this because yeah. it was a while yeah. ago when I saw it and I'm pretty sure it was on Most Haunted isn't there someone called Cloggy that lives on the ghost train or doesn't live on the ghost oh, train? Oh, my,
11: my friend is here, actually. Now, she might know more about that. Oh, go and on. Can she talk to you, Her name's Donna. All right, yeah, if Donna's uh, up for you, it. About your mum's... Um, yeah, she's going to tell you about what her mum has seen. Oh, yeah, i just pass her over to Donna. Thanks, Susan. Hello. Hi, Donna. Tell me about what your mum saw.
12: Yeah, that's right. Um, way back in 1984, um, when I was a 12 years old, we were... We'd just finished doing up our cottage in a place called Hatfield Heath in Essex. And um, what happened was, one Saturday night, my mum said to me, um, I'm just going to take the dogs for a walk. So um, I was sitting in front of the television on the floor, and um, a few days later, my mum said, when I took the dogs for a walk, when I came back, she just glanced through the kitchen window as she walked by to the back door and she saw a ghost of a little girl, all in white, with short blonde curly hair. And she was standing above the original floor hat because we had dug out the floors because the ceilings were very low. Stop it. You see?
1: Oh my god.
12: Yeah. Um, but when we came in through the kitchen,
1: the, the little girl disappeared. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And did she find out any more about what what that might have been about? Um, not
12: really, no. God. Because the, the cottage was um, built in 1550. Wow. And another quick story, yeah, um, well. my dad used to go out on a Wednesday, I think it was a Wednesday or a Tuesday night with my neighbour, and um, they came back from the pub one night, and, uh, they were sitting in the dining area. My dad was facing the window. And my neighbour was facing the well dresser. And, uh, my dad, our neighbour said to my dad, I've just seen a man walk through this sitting area, um, dining area into the sitting room. And he was, he was walking the, um, above the floor. That's where the, um, uh, original floors used to be.
1: Flipping act Donna.
12: And he, uh, disappeared. Obviously disappeared, this ghost of this man, and I thought, oh, the hell's that in our cottage? There's only been the ghost.
1: My God, I I don't know how you carry on. I don't know how something like that happens, and you can sleep after afterwards. It's terrifying.
12: I love anything like that. I love breathing ghost stories in bed, and it makes me sleep. (laughs)
1: Does it? But it gives you wacky dreams, though, doesn't it?
12: No, no, I like it. I love reading in bed about ghost stories. Only true ones, though.
1: Well, have a look, while you're in Blackpool, have a look around and see if you can find anything about Cloggy in the Ghost Train.
12: Yeah. Oh, oh, Cloggy, I've heard about that on Most Haunted.
1: Yeah. Oh, you saw it as well.
12: Yeah, Most Haunted, yeah. Um, The Ghost in Blackpool, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really like ghost trains anyway, because I... Right, even though I don't believe in ghosts, I'm terrified of them. I mean, I, that's nuts, but, um, yeah, that I'll never forget that edition of Most Haunted, because Blackpool was somewhere I thought I was quite familiar with, and there's all this stuff going on, apparently.
12: Yeah,
1: um, we're going on a ghost
12: walk tomorrow. <gasps> at, yeah, um, we're meeting outside the in, information yeah. office, tourist information office. Yes. Oh, brilliant quarter past seven and it lasts for an hour and a half and we're going to be toured round all the haunted yeah. places in blackpool
1: blimey it sounds wicked have a good time yeah. tell me about it if you if you're not too scared afterwards yeah oh yeah we will you having a good time though apart from all that yeah, yeah we thank are you, Catherine. <laughs> good. Yeah, we're having a good time yeah we are yeah. Yeah. good well it was nice to hear from you both thanks for ringing did you did we want to speak back to i am take past- the bus- Oh, awesome. Hello, thank you very much for talking to us. Hey, no, it's a pleasure. I always
11: listen. I always look forward to you and, like, Ian, you know, and uh, talking and everything,
1: okay? All right. Thanks very much for ringing, Susan. Bye. Lots of love Bye-bye. to Donna, too. Nice to get thank two you. for one, isn't it? Flipping it. Oh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. if you want to give me a ring. have got time to talk to Ruby. Hiya, Ruby. Hello, Catherine. Hiya. Thanks for ringing. Hi. Oh, you're welcome. And I'm glad you're feeling better today. Just a bit, yeah. I'm not going to grumble about it. Anyway, wh- what can I do for you?
8: Um, I'm actually calling you about the story, um, meeting a good friend online. Oh, yeah. Because I actually met my best friend online.
1: Wow. Tell so, me more.
8: Um, um, we've been friends for about 12 years now. Um, we actually met on a website called the Internet Movie Database. Oh, yeah. Uh, they used to have, um, message boards there and that—that's all gone now. But that—that's where we met, and she um, approached me there via a private message. Uh huh. But um, at first, I was a, uh, I was a bit wary, as as we naturally are. Yeah. Strangers.
1: Oh, who, who's this person? Yeah. And and so why do they want to take it, take it private? <laughs> it's always a bit dodgy, isn't it?
8: <laughs> yeah, but she—she sounded she friendly, and but despite that, I wasn't entirely honest with her in the beginning. All right. But she seemed friendly and uh, we started talking. And um we we talked privately but we talked via the message boards themselves, well. Right. We just discovering little things about each other. And um she'd say something and I'd be like, Oh, I I do that too or I I like that too and vice versa and um uh, we have exactly the same background as well and similar age. And there's so many, like, little coincidences between us, so... Isn't that funny? It's just, know, that, really.
1: yeah. And when you say you weren't entirely honest with her, wh- what do you mean? Well, um, I I said I lived somewhere where
8: I didn't. And um, I didn't tell her my real occupation or age or anything like that in the
1: Okay, I can see why. You don't want to give too many specifics, to you? You don't know her. No, exactly. And because
8: not many people approach me anyway. So I'm a, <laughs> a bit of a um, quirky person. But then I discovered that she was exactly the same, if not more. Uh-huh. But it, was silly, it was silly things like that that we bonded over, really. But over the years, we became um, closer and closer and closer. So now I consider her more like a sister. And have you met in real life? Yes, yes, yeah, a God. few times. But um, sadly, we don't get to as much as we want to because of the distance.
1: Right. So she's quite far away. she in this country, though?
8: Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah.
1: She what did it feel like the first time you were going to meet her in, in person? I bet you were nervous, weren't you? Um,
8: I- incredibly nervous. Because up until then we'd um we'd only ever seen each other in pictures like not even video and and, and we've spoken on the phone so we'd had really long phone conversations but i yeah it took it took a long time before i saw her in person yeah and i was always um nervous to take that first step but yeah wonder but you know what i'm just going to book the tickets and go and see her cause yeah she deserves to see me in real life this person that she's we we both like said so many really personal things to each other.
1: Yeah, because you've got that level of protection, haven't you? You can maybe be a bit more candid because you think, well, I never need to speak to him again if it goes wrong.
8: <laughs> yeah, and um I, I I still say this to her. No, I I wish I had a friend like you growing up because um what what you were saying as well um I'm sorry I've forgotten the man's name that did the study.
1: Oh yeah, I, well, I've forgotten it as well. Doesn't matter. Hang on let Let's look him up and do him the courtesy of having a look. Uh, John Lawrence from the University of Exeter.
8: Yeah, look, what you were saying about you can have things, more things in common with somebody that you've met online. Because yeah. I'm, um, despite having like good friends in real life growing up, I, I hadn't had as much in common with them yeah. as I did with her. Yeah, you like get kind of get thrown
1: together with people, don't you?
8: Yeah. Um, I um, I wasn't... Um, like, i would met a lot of um, mean people on that site as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, many times I just thought, you know, I'm going to delete my account and yeah. get come back on again. And at one point I did take a short break. And she inquired about me, she said, oh, where is so-and-so, my, my screen name? Yeah. And um, so we
1: reunited
8: again. And thank goodness I hadn't deleted my account. So
1: Such I a good story. To... Thanks for giving us a shout, Ruby. I've run out of time, but I'm really, really interested to hear your story. And um, I'm glad you. you found a friend.
8: Yeah, a really good friend as well, so I've been lucky.
1: Brilliant. Thanks for ringing. 0344 1000. You're listening to The Late Night Alternative. I'm Catherine
0: Boyle. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. Stop me, oh, oh,
4: stop me. Stop me if you think that you've heard this wonderful. Stop me, oh, 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 stop me. Stop me if you think that you learn. Nothing's changed. I still love you. Oh, I still love you. Only slightly, only slightly less than I used to, my love.
1: Three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is a late night alternative. I'm Catherine Boyle. And we're talking about all sorts, from real friends that you make online to secret languages you have with animals. Come on, if you've got a pet, I know you've probably worked out how to talk to them. It's not always with words. God, that sounded creepier than it needed to, didn't it? Oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand, if you want to give me a ring. We're talking about all kinds of stuff. I mean, the reason I'm talking about uh, talking to animals is um, apparently if you stare at a seagull, it's less likely to nick your chips. So there's a tip for you. Hang on. Baby, can't you see? How's this happening? Like you. Wa- How's that happening when my um, faders down? That's actually not so. Okay. next door's faders possessed it's right down here absolutely mad i've got the right person on the line to talk about it though because catherine's there you're spooky catherine aren't you (laughs) yeah (laughs) did you hear that my fader was right down and you could hear um some delicious music i did i did hear that (laughs) oh thanks for giving me a ring what have you got um well i wanted to relate to
13: you a story that happened to my brother um i it it is true honestly my brother is very um he's Deceased now, but he was a real Jack the Lad um, right. from the East End of London. Um, he used to be a, a driver for the, the the Cray Twins, so he he, he didn't take anything seriously. Um, but he was in and out of of jail for quite a lot. I mean, my mum disowned him. That's how bad it was. Right. Um, so he went into Pentonville and um, they put him in a, a cell and um, they they normally sort of ask you the basic questions one of which is what's your religion um, and he said you know well I don't believe in anything but I was raised a Catholic
4: mm-hmm.
13: and they said right okay we've got a, a, a priest you know would would you like to talk to him Um my brother said well you know whatever you want don't care so this priest came in there was two bunks in this cell my brother sat on one And the priest sat on the other one. Um, And he was opposite him. And he was asking him all these questions, but he was wringing his hands all the time, this priest, and he had his head down looking at the floor. Right. And um, he says to my brother, "Oh, if you don't believe, um, do you believe in the devil and all that? And my brother said, well, no, not really. He said, because, you know... I don't believe in God. Why should I believe in the devil and all this sort of stuff? Um, And he said, well, okay, he said, "Um, so where do you think your soul goes afterwards? And my brother got really uncomfortable, really
1: uncomfortable. Don't blame him. Can't go away from that.
13: No. And um, he said to him, look, father, because he was very respectful. He said, look, father, I don't want to talk about all this. I don't believe in it don't talk, I just don't want to talk to it,
4: yeah.
13: and, um, the priest said, well, I think you should talk about it, it's very important, and he lifted his head, and his eyes were glowing red, no, stop it, I, I, I swear to you, my brother, my brother does not frighten easily, he does not frighten easily, or well, he didn't frighten easily at all, and, um, he said "He said to my brother, look Francis and all that, and my brother was going mental, looking for a guard and in the end the guard came along and my brother said get him out of my cell, just get him out of my cell and um, of course they brought brought the priest out of the cell Um, by which time there was nothing wrong with the priest, his eyes were fine but my brother never forgot it and never, ever, ever allowed the priest to be called to him because he was he was just living in terror. God. You know, and um, I never forget the look on his face. And he only ever told you the story when he'd had a drink um, because that's the only time I think he had the good luck or, or, or strength of character to tell the story he wouldn't tell it when he was sober but um that that's that, honestly that's a true story he was absolutely terrified with his priest that is like the stuff of nightmares and it is horror it films is. yeah yeah and, and you know whether or not i don't know who he was i don't i don't know you know where he what he was doing or anything in that place, but I know that he went. He went to my brother, and that was it. You know, my brother never forgot it ever.
1: God, um, I mean, well, the scientific thing, you know, if it has, yes. I'm taking your word for it, but yes, it could be that your brother was, in, you know, in shock or exactly. We some, don't know something going on, but that's flipping awful. Yeah, thing, but he really didn't. And He was convinced it happened.
13: Oh, without a doubt. And he does. He he's not the type of per- he wasn't the type of person, as I say, to make things up or to get scared of stuff. My no. brother did just did not frighten. He was the type of bloke who would stand up to anyone and, and have a fight. So he just did not frighten. But to see him talk about this experience, whether there was more to it, and he never told us, I don't know.
1: Yeah,
13: but. He certainly, definitely believed
1: it happened. Yeah, something happened to him in that cell, didn't it? Yeah,
11: yeah.
13: How and long was, was he?
1: How long was he days. in prison, Catherine? Yeah. How long? Six months. Right. He was
13: in and out all the time. Um, you know, he was he was used to it. How
1: much older was
13: he than you, or was he your kid brother? Oh no, he was way older than me. Right. Um, he was probably about thirty years older than me. Thirty. Yeah, my mum had. Um, Ten children
1: Sleeping
13: heck Yeah Yeah Nice big Irish family She must have been some woman Yeah She Actually she was She was forced to be reckoned with My mum She didn't have to shout Or raise her hand
1: She just looked at you And you stopped immediately Right And was your dad about?
13: (laughs) Yeah 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 He was very quiet My dad was anything for a quiet life
1: (laughs) Don't blame him with ten kids sleeping heck Yeah I mean
13: he took on Nine and then they had me, so right.
1: ten. Oh, right, so he was your dad, but not the nine? No. I mean, no. Wow, but I mean, that is that is something to take on, isn't it?
13: Uh-huh. Yeah, he did. He was a good soul, my dad. Very, very good person. Um, but like all the Irish boys, um,
1: liked his drink. Right. <laughs> Which didn't help. I bet. But... Um, so your mum was like the kind of... Um, the, she was a the matriarch. The matriarch, that's the word I was reaching for. Yep, she was definitely the one in charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Some, some woman. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are you keeping, Catherine? Oh, I'm
13: alright, I'm not too bad. Um, my toe's all healed up now, so the amputation went well. Right. So, yeah, I'm back to walking, so it's all good. Does it feel different? Uh... I don't know, feel different. I feel like I've still got it, funnily enough. <laughs> does it itch? Yeah. And it pains sometimes. It really pains. Oh, my God. How would you sort that out? Um, I, I tend to. I mean, I've got really strong painkillers for the cancer. I've got um, liquid morphine. Right. Or off. Well, that's
1: going to help then, isn't it?
13: Yeah. So, um, yeah, it does. It, 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 sometimes it feels funny, but the majority of the time
1: it's okay does it completely knock you out the morphine uh
13: sometimes it does sometimes it does but because i'm on a cocktail of drugs the others don't help right because they all sort of mix together
1: the only thing i know about that stuff is when my grandma had um cancer she was on that and it it spaced her out yeah yeah it can do but she was seeing all sorts
13: yeah, well, when I when they first gave it to me, they gave me in a hospital. They gave me an overdose of it, and I woke up. I swear to you, all everything around me was a World War One field hospital. Blimey! I could see the doctors and nurses in the the uniforms, the long you know, with the long skirts and the big poofy hats and. So, uh, it terrified me, and I, d- I wouldn't take it again, and they said, oh, you know, we've got to m- try and get the dose right. Um, yeah. But thankfully they got the dose right. That stuff, so, that stuff, uh, you know. It I mean, is horrible, I mean, I tend to take it only when it's absolutely necessary, and when I'm in real, real pain.
1: Yeah, last resort.
13: Yeah, Um, because otherwise, You you, you don't know what these things are doing to you, you know? And I'm always scared of them. Um, I mean, I would never take anything like the diazepam stuff or um, Prozac or anything like that because they are really dangerous drugs. So I really would not touch them.
1: Yeah, we get people ringing this show all the time who can't stop taking them once they start.
13: Well, that's it. That's,
1: That's it. And the diazepams,
13: I think... I mean, I remember reading a story as well about Prozac. A woman was on it for two days, and she went with a knife and held up a gas station in America.
1: What? Yeah. I thought thought, Prozac
13: was supposed to chill you out. Yeah, and I thought, no, I'm not taking that. So we have managed to get the dosage right with the Oromorph. So we'll just keep it as and when. I think that's the best thing because otherwise you tend to rely on it too much. What's the situation now with your with your treatment? Um, well, I couldn't have the treatment while I was in hospital um, because of the amputation and I had to be on uh, liquid intravenous antibiotics. Um, so I was in there all over Christmas. I came out in... Uh, where are we? January? I came out in February. Um... And then I was on flat bed rest, so the local nurses were coming out t- to me. Um, and then that stopped in June. got to bet you were bored out of your mind, weren't you? I am. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's lucky I'm a reader. I'm a, a real avid reader. Um, it was very lucky. And Alexa was a godsend because I um, I got her for Christmas and I listened to talk radio, which is brilliant. So... Um, but it just, um, yeah, it lasted and then it ended in June. And so now I'm waiting to be put back on the chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to have a CT scan, um, a heart scan, and um, blood test before I can have the treatment. Mm-hmm. And the CT scan is the one that I'm scared of because that's the one that tells you whether it's spread. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm really terrified of. Yeah. But um, I'm just waiting for my doctor, my consultant now, oncologist to get in touch with me.
1: Yeah, you kind of go from one appointment to the next. You can't really Uh, think too much further than that, I expect. Drive yourself
13: mental. I mean, if you thought, literally, if you thought, I I do, I'm pessimistic sometimes. I do think to myself, will I be here for Christmas and all that sort of stuff. Uh, But my husband's brilliant. he's he's really one of the best you know and he's very very supportive
4: yeah
13: so i'm lucky in that way um but it doesn't stop me thinking
1: no and you've got plenty of time to do that as well exactly if if you're on bed rest
13: yeah exactly so but other than that everything's tickety boo and there are people worth a lot worse off than me
1: well I mean that's what what you have to tell yourself
13: well you do you look at the little kids in hospital they don't have a chance they've been born with it they haven't had a life you know and that distresses me terribly Mm -hmm. um, when I look at it because you know I was my birthday yesterday was 54 oh happy birthday thank you and I thought you know what I've had 54 years on this planet these little kids have not even had a day out of hospital
1: you know? I know. Do you know what? That's one of the reasons I don't believe in God anymore.
13: Yeah, it's very hard to. I mean, I cling on to my faith like, oh, like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but it is very difficult. And I understand people when I see them with their little babies, uh, I couldn't imagine going through that.
1: No. I've, yeah. got, I've got a friend who, um, they started their family really early. Yeah. kind of accidentally right and there were the kids in school that everyone thought oh they haven't got a chance what they're doing they're idiots and of course they're the ones that got the strongest marriage and the strongest partnership and they've had you know quite a few kids since the first one yeah so you know it was no accident really they were supposed to be together exactly um, yeah. but their second child didn't make it um and he was very ill from being really little and they're really kind of uh, really very strong um, yeah. Chris- christian faith and I had the conversation with them about it. I said, "How can you believe, after all you've been through with that poor baby?" And they said, "Well, well, this is the way they justify it." And I, I you know, if, if it works for them, that's great. But they said that they believe he was like a teaching soul, and he was there about, he was there to show them, you know, the um, the power of faith and all that. Yeah, a teaching soul. Imagine.
13: My mum was a very strong Catholic, but when um. Because we lost our older brother when he was 42. um, He died in his sleep. And then she lost her faith completely. She wouldn't talk to anyone about it because she just believed there was no God that could take her son away. And then six months she lasted and she died. And then six months my dad lasted and he died. God. You know, so I was
1: left in the house on my own. It's funny about people that that go shortly after losing someone yeah. that they love that much. It's like they sort of give up, don't they?
13: Yeah, it is. My dad definitely gave up because yeah. he adored my mum. They would argue like cat and dog, but they adored each other. <laughs>
1: Mine are a bit like that. Do you know what it, what it is with my mum and dad? They don't, know it's not strong arguments, it's just bickering, right? That's it, that's exactly right. But there they, they, they were always kids around, and I think what's happened is, now there aren't kids in the house. Yeah. That's just what they do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my mum
13: was typical Irish. She'd walk past my dad and say, are you still breathing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that. Um, but they didn't spend a night apart. Oh. Um, You know, it was only when she... She took a massive stroke. Yeah. With, uh, was she taken into hospital? That was the only time.
1: What do you know about the, the, the dad of the nine kids? What happened there? He was um, he was an Irishman, and um,
13: he, he came over to England. He was a gardener, um, and he came over to England to take a job at Victoria Park as a, gar- as a groundskeeper. Right. And he was 42. He was going to work one day, And um, he got to the top of the steps of Bethnal Green Tube Station
1: and collapsed and died of a massive heart attack. Good God. Mm -hmm. And there's that 42 again. So she lost her husband at 42 and her son at 42. Yeah. Yeah. Poor woman.
13: Yeah, she... she, Oh, yeah. And then she... Because she was in Ireland at the time, so she came over here because, obviously, he had a a tied house and everything with Mm -hmm. Vicky Park and um, she moved into that, and she just, I think she worked about four jobs to God. keep kids. Well, this is it. we have got nine kids, it's... Uh... Yeah, but they they couldn't do that today. They, they couldn't do that today.
1: They would be absolutely gobsmacked. How did she manage with the... I mean, obviously, childcare was something else back then. I'm imagining yeah. the older kids looked after the little ones.
13: They did, and my auntie came over right
1: um
13: and she lived with them um but unfortunately it doesn't sound like we had any fun but we did i assure you it sounds very victorian yeah she had a my auntie had a, a what they now know is an epileptic fit but they didn't know then so they took her into an um, into an asylum and gave her cold baths and gave her electric shock treatment this was a woman who was so used to coping for herself she used to go abroad on her own and go to the theaters and all that wow that's
1: like a proper modern woman that yeah
13: yeah so what this treatment
1: destroyed her i'm imagining
13: completely um she died in the asylum Oh god Catherine. we couldn't get her out um they wouldn't allow it um so they had to have a signatory um who was a parent well None of the parents were alive
1: um, so yeah, she died in the asylum it was It was awful It's incredible we're talking nineteen forties fifties yeah, yeah, fifties, but you see you've gotta realize she was
13: taken into one of the the magdalen asylums ah um so she was really badly treated in there.
1: Yeah, and I imagine being quite a strong, forthright woman didn't go down very well.
13: No, not at all.
1: Not at
13: all. So, but my mum was always strong and she was always, you knock her down, she gets up. I mean, she got scarlet fever at the age of, I don't know, 25 or something. She had three kids then. And they said, you'll never walk again. And she said, oh, I'll walk. She said, I've got children. And she used to drag herself out of bed, which is practically unheard of. You wouldn't do that, you know. But she was a strong woman, very strong. God. She ran two businesses at the end. Did she? You what know? was she doing? Um, well, one was an antique shop and one was a, what you'd call a second-hand furniture shop. So, but the second-hand furniture shop kept the antique
1: shop going. Right. You know? Um, yeah, because people are less intimidated by second-hand furniture than they are, they are. The antiques, yeah. Yeah, of course they are. But, um, but yeah, she
13: always, she always made a living and she always had a house for her kids. She would never have social services around or anything like that. She just went out and she made a living. I don't know how she did it, but... <laughs> yeah. She did it.
1: She was one of that generation that didn't want to ask for help, and they didn't want anyone else interfering. No, they didn't. That's right.
13: But, but yeah. So she was, she was a good person. What was she, her name? Kathleen. Kathleen. Yeah, yeah. And my grandmother was French. So I'm doing, my, I've been doing my family history for two years now. Have you? Yeah, because um, she had a, a brother called Michael who died in the trenches at the age of 18 and i think i found him i think i've located him to a
1: a a hospital in france it's so hard isn't it i I don't know whether things have changed i know when jeans reunited first came out i had a little stab at trying to find because my grandma that died last two it last year year before now god it seems like it seems really fresh but it isn't her dad disappeared Mm. when she and her Brothers and sisters were quite small, and the last she remembers again, this is an Irishman. The um, we've got a picture of him when he was engaged to my great grandma in a World War One uniform that was too big. I mean, a bit, but he looks a spitting image of my dad Aww. and looks like me, it's quite spooky, yeah. Um, yeah, and then. But he disappeared. We don't know what it was because obviously my grandma Lillian was too young to be told the ins and outs of what had been going on. My great grandma never remarried. But the last thing my grandma Lillian remembers of her dad was him um, finding her in the street while she's playing out and giving her a note and saying, take this to your mum. And then when she came back, she said, my mum says no. And he said, she won't let me come home. And that was the Aye. last she saw of her dad ever. And that story is just... Oh, that's so sad. Really heartbreaking. And all the way to, towards the end, we, we were trying to find him, but, of course, it's really difficult. If, i tell you something. If you were, had relatives
13: born in Southern Ireland, it's impossible because Cromwell burnt all the records
1: it's of that, the parish churches. It's that and looking up, you know, surnames. For example, trying to find the other side of the family, trying to find a boy oh, yeah. that came over at the turn of the century. I mean, take your pick. It could have been any of them.
13: Exactly. Exactly, but I thought, I mean, we had a, a situation in the East End of London where my brother was playing, my two brothers were playing with their friend on the roof of a building and um, the roof collapsed and my two brothers were injured but their friend, a guy called Tommy Jitterbug, was killed um, and my mum used to carry a little piece of paper of the newspaper story because it was in the News of the World. So I said to Stuart, my husband Stuart, I said I need to go to um, Collindale to the National Archives of Newspapers and see if I can find this bit of paper because it's all faded now.
4: Yeah.
13: Went in there, um, said to the lady, you know I'm looking for this, she said well is there anything unusual and I said well the boy that died, his name was unusual so I told her she came out it had made every national newspaper
1: was it like a like a bomb site or something they were playing yeah right yeah
13: Yeah, they were supposed to the government was supposed to have, or the council was supposed to have knocked the building
4: right
13: but they left it and um it turned out that they went they took all of this to parliament about these bomb sites being I mean it was amazing I thought it was just going to be a little clip in the paper um, but I've got all of that now, and I spoke to the lady because they took a big photograph of my mum and the boys and the girls. So it was like a family photograph, and we had it, but it was it had been ruined because it had been folded over the years. So she sent it to me. She said, "I'll send it to you in a pristine copy," and I said, "Thank you." And I got this envelope and. I got the picture, and then there was a little note from us saying, don't know if you'd like this. And it was a picture that no one had ever seen of my mum and my brother that was injured. Wow. And he was, my brothers, all my brothers are tough. Yeah. And I sent it to him for his birthday and said, this is just for you. And his wife phoned me and she said, I've been married to him for 35 years and I've never seen him cry. She said, this morning he opened that bloody picture, she Mm. said, and he ain't stopped. No. And I thought, oh my God, I hope he's all right, you know. But, power of photographs.
1: Yeah, and you know what, we didn't take as many photographs back then. No. no. It was a I special occasion you dress one that, up, weren't you? I was always the one that took the photographs. Hardly yeah. anybody else took photographs in my family. I've been to see some of Don- Danny Baker's films, uh, sorry, shows and, and I know in his books as well he says the same thing. He says, I, I look at the photos we've got and we've got like one picture of the whole family together and the rest of the time we'd take photos on holiday and we'd be taking a picture of a flipping sheep or a, or a church <laughs> or something yeah. and I'd be thinking, turn the bloody camera around. Yeah, yeah it's
13: difficult. It's absolutely typical, but trying to locate your family, I I love it. I love it when a piece comes together, and you just think, oh, wow, that's it, another puzzle. And then I sat here with my sister a month ago and told her how far up I was and that I might have found Michael. And she said to me, oh, good, you can have a look for Maisie. Oh, another one. I said, who's Maisie? she said oh she was mum's twin sister what she died and i thought do you know what i could have strangled her i really could have done (laughs) i thought you've known i've been doing this for the past five years and it's only now that you tell me about maybe but so that's another one to look for now
1: blimey well you're going to be busy catherine i will it's been a real pleasure talking to you tonight i'm glad we've had a bit more time yes thank you yeah thank you um
13: and it's um It's been lovely talking to you because you're very, um, you're very sympathetic and you've, you know, you've got a very reassuring way about you. Oh, thanks. Thank you. It's lovely. All Um,
1: did, Did he find his passport? Yeah, he did. He went away. And, uh, we're talking about Ian, of course. Yes. Um... He went away, and he's been. He's taken the boys to Gladiator School. They've been to a pizza making workshop. They've, oh, they've wow. not stopped. They've been having the most wonderful time.
13: Yeah, they'll love it. They'll yeah. love
1: it me oh. it's fantastic. Do you know what? He's making some brilliant memories <coughs> with them. And you know, it's yeah. been it's been a tough time, and I'm really pleased to see him enjoying life the way he is. Exactly. At the I, I was going to say to him before he went, if he goes to the um, St. Peter Square
13: on a Wednesday, he can hear Papa. Preach because he preaches every Wednesday.
1: <laughs> that you didn't sit <laughs> I think they um, were I think they were fighting each other at the Gladiator School when Papa uh, was preaching today.
13: Oh, that's what it is. You <laughs> see. it is. Anyway, um, you, you know where I am,
1: Catherine. If you want to chat. Thank you. Take Thanks care, lot. Yeah, you too. Bye. 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 Oh, 03444991000. Four, this is the late night alternative.
0: Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox. The late night alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio.
1: Completely free switchboard now. So if you were holding back and you were feeling like giving me a ring, now is the time. Oh, 03444991000. Four, but I think plenty of you are just like drifting off to sleep now, and um, and in that sort of state where you're listening to the radio kind of with one ear and maybe now is the time to be able to influence your dreams. So I'm thinking I might tell you something quite horrific, so you have a weird one. How about this? A cannibal parrot, dubbed Squawkzilla, that was as big as a human child, oops, and with an enormous bone-crushing beak, has been on Earth by scientists. This is not a drill. Scientists have revealed the monster bird, Heracles Inexpectatus, you're telling me it was Inexpectatus, who would stand a metre tall, feasted on the flesh of... Of other birds, I think this deserves more dramatic music. Hang on, let's do that. uh YouTube do you think if I put in parrot music i'll get I'll get something. we know what YouTube's like. hang on um hang on. all right, let's try this. Let's see what they give me when I do this. What's this? Is that fader going up in there? Right, let's try this. Here we go. This sounds significantly parity. Scientists have revealed the monster bird Heracles inexpectatus. who would stand one meter tall, feasted on the flesh of other birds. <laughs> The team who've uncovered the creature have dubbed it Squawkzilla after it was found in New Zealand. It was as big as an average four-year-old child and weighed almost a stone when it roamed the earth some 19 million years ago. The absolute unit, (laughs) this is the words of the Daily Star, the absolute unit could crack open any shells containing nuts or seafood and rip other birds to shreds with its huge hooked beak. Co-author Professor Mike Archer of the University of New South Wales said... All right, I'm going to do the Australian accent. Who cares? Heracles is the largest parrot ever, no doubt, with a massive parrot beak that could crack wide open. Anything it fancied may well have dined on more than conventional parrot foods, perhaps even other parrots. All right, so you're guessing, are you? Chancer. The animal was twice the size of New Zealand's cr- critically endangered Kakapo, previously the largest known parrot. Its official name, Heracles inexpectatus, is to mark its Herculean myth-like proportions and strength. And the second half of the name denotes the surprising nature of the discovery. Stroth. The animal was pieced together from the discovery of two complete shin bones. Corresponding author, Professor Trevor Worthy, a paleontologist at Flinders University in Adelaide, South Australia, said New Zealand is well known for its giant birds. Not only moa-dominated avifaunas, but giant geese and adzebills shared the forest floor while a giant eagle ruled the skies. But until now, no one's ever found an extinct giant parrot anywhere. It was similar in size to the legendary dodo, the giant pigeon hunted to extinction in the seventeenth century by sailors visiting the Mascarene Islands in the Indian Ocean. So you'd know about it if that landed on your shoulder. Professor Worthy said, At about a metre tall and weighing seven kilograms, it was the world's largest parrot, far larger than the flightless New Zealand kakapo. That's kind of what they just said, isn't it? Like the kakapo, it was a member of the ancient New Zealand group that seemed more primitive than parrots that thrive today on Australia and other continents. Heracles was dug up on a famous fossil site in central Otago known as St. Basins, a graveyard of prehistoric animals from the late early Miocene. Professor Worthy, here he is again, says we've been excavating these fossil deposits for 20 years and each year reveals new birds and other animals. While Heracles is one of the most spectacular birds we've found, no doubt there are many more unexpected species yet to be discovered in this most interesting deposit. Heracles lived a diverse subtro- in a diverse subtropical forest where many species of laurels and palms grew with podocarp trees. I'm reading a lot of words out here and none of us know what they mean, let's be honest. Co-author Professor Susan Hand, also from the University of New South Wales, said, Undoubtedly, these provided a rich harvest of fruit important in the diet of Heracles and the parrots and pigeons it lived with. Oh, I made her a bit in New Zealand then. Left with. But on the forest floor, Heracles competed with adzebils and forerunners of moa. Birds have repeatedly evolved giant species on islands. As well as the dodo, there have been giant pigeons, storks and ducks on Fiji, Flores and Hawaii. I mean, you look at a bird now, and if you imagine it without feathers, it's not that much of a stretch to see how they were related to the dinosaur. They they, they look like it, don't they? Uh, We've got a quick break, and then we've got Andrew and Rainbow George. But if you want to give me a ring, feel free. We'll try and squeeze you into 0344 499 1000. You're listening to The Late Night Alternative. I'm Catherine Boyle.
0: The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. never know just where the conversation will take you on Talk Radio.
1: Oh, just like that, it's nearly one o'clock in the morning. How did that happen? Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. I can just about squeeze you in if you give me a ring quick, because uh, Paul Ross is going to be here in a bit, and then there's no stopping us. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Hi Hiya, thanks for hanging on. That's okay. I've been listening
14: uh, on and off this week because I listen on and off because I normally listen to the uh, listen back at work on okay. show. Mm-hmm. and I've been listening to you this week, and it's been. Very, very calming. You've got a very, very calming voice. <laughs> um, it, it, do you know who you uh, remind me of? I don't know if it's Little or Biggin that did those um, <laughs> those, uh, those those bits of um, calming voicing. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was Little. Yeah. Little, <laughs> and. yeah, little. You
14: sound exactly like. Yeah,
1: well, the apple doesn't <laughs> fall like, far from the tree, does it?
14: Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, so this you've got these voice. They just make people. This is when he Oh yes,
1: well
14: good. <laughs> a lot of people like Tony when Ian's there, because like, he's singing. Oh, he's singing. Oh, he does thing. But um, when he's on, he's like loud. They're finally going. Yes, Ian. La, la, la. <laughs> but when they listen to you, they're like,
1: oh, nice. Well, you know, we're mates. We're kind of different sides of the yeah, same coin. They?
14: So, um, yeah. it's like when you're two different. When he's when he's on his own, he's different. When you're on your own, but when you get together, you're like a force. Yeah. Oh I yeah. Don't
1: like them yeah i do well, miss I'll him i'm looking forward to him coming yeah. back it's 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 weird being here and sort of you know doing it by yeah. myself the temptation is to just grab anyone in and have a chat but what the thing no. is i've found is that if i have someone else in the studio people are less likely to ring up and you know exactly. yeah and i want to hear from yeah. you guys
14: yeah and um, on a second note
1: can we have a game of adamant a man. yeah of course you can Alright, uh, right, we'll start then. Uh, I'm no
14: good at this, but i will give we go.
1: Alright, let's go. Alright, here we go. So we'll start with Adamant.
14: Um, Tears of Fears.
1: Uh, Spandau Ballet.
14: What's that ending? T. 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 Ballet. T. Uh i will uh, i will i will
1: i will i okay. will
14: Err,
1: uh, Erasure. Oh. Ramones. Does T count
14: as R? Or is it the Ramones or is it Ramones or?
1: Hang on, Erasure ends with an E. Oh, is it? I know it's late, Andrew, but flipping out, what's going on?
14: Uh, um. erm. Eminem.
1: Eminem. M- Morrissey. No. Not an E. Marcy. Ends with a... Ten. Oh. Nine. Eight. Seven. Oh, come 6, on. Six. Five. Oh, 4, you've done that. Three. Two. One.
14: Right. Uh,
1: yes. Sunita. Oh.
14: <laughs> Sunita, was that an A? Mm-hmm. Abba.
1: Uh, oh, um, oh, God, um, Annie Lennox. What's that, Nick? Yeah. Good night, Andrew. HTC. um,.
14: Oh. Ten, eight. Cars. Cars, eight. Ten. Another, I'm, I'm done. Nine. Bring on, George.
1: Let's, let, let's shake hands and end as friends. Yeah, thank you, much. <laughs> Thanks very much, Andrew. Nice try. Hiya, George. Hi, Cass. Hello.
15: You were talking about your religious education earlier. Yeah. And,
1: uh, and the curate that ate a uh, flower.
15: Yeah, and it ended at the age of 12. You said, did you ever read the Bible?
1: I read it plenty. Uh, one of my favorite books when I was really little was the Gospel of St. Mark. At one point, I really wanted to be a nun. But then I realized I didn't want to be a nun. I'd just seen the nun story with Audrey Hepburn, and it was Audrey Hepburn I wanted to be.
15: Did you notice how each gospel contradicts the other?
1: Yeah, but isn't that mostly because they were written after the fact and they've been edited since? And
15: no, the, the contradictions are there deliberately to make you see that this doesn't fit together. And 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 uh, it, it's, uh, for instance, the inscription on the cross is different in each gospel. I think the first gospel was written about. 40 years after the events were supposed to have happened and the last one was written about 150 years after the events were supposed to have happened but uh, the Jesus stories are obviously mythical stories that have deeper meaning and and, and uh, the contradictions are there to show you that different time periods and to show you that yeah this doesn't doesn't fit together this doesn't make sense
1: but that would imply that you've got one person overseeing the whole lot wouldn't it
15: how do you mean
1: well because then you would need some sort of um agreement on what the the truth is that you were funneling people towards
15: Well, I'm saying the truth. The truth is is not in 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 the mythical stories. The truth is in in the timeline that is being a- outlined. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, who's in charge of the timeline?
15: Um. How How do you mean? Who's in charge of the timeline?
1: Well, you said that the right. If each of the if each of the gospels contra- has contradictions, but they're put there on purpose to try and lead you towards something else. Yes. So there has to be some sort of agreement as to what it's leading you to surely
15: well it's uh, i mean i mean the mystery is is who 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 wrote the gospels and, mm-hmm. and who 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 inspired those those writings it's it's it's
1: uh ah right so you're talking about a sort of a divine power
15: yes yeah no i, I I, I, am sure there are divine powers and, and diabolical powers as well and, 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 uh, we are all actors in, in, in this mystery play you were talking about dreams earlier. Dreams are transmitted to us and, 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 uh, I, I had many, many dream experiences back in, in 1976 when I I went through these six months of mystical experiences during which I I was guided to read the 66 books of the Bible and link them to the 66 chapters in the prophet Isaiah and uh, was really uh, guided to see the truth that lies behind the the mythical stories, and the truth is is in in the prophecies, and I, I suppose that we are at a time when certain biblical prophecies are, are, are going to come come to pass
1: or during that time, you were having some sort of mental break
15: no. <laughs> No, no mental break. It, 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 it's uh, my experiences were very clear and very real, and I spent nearly six years trying to write a book about what I'd experienced and never finished that book. And and uh, was given things to reveal 43 years ago, which I'm still looking to reveal. And uh, but I think I'm close. Close to doing that. George, night. might I
16: ask a question? It's Paul Ross. Here. I've just come into the studio at Cass's uh, invitation to tell you what's on our show. But why do you think these prophecies happen to be coming true now in your lifetime when over the past 2,000 years all the scholars, all the prophets have thought it was going to happen in their lifetime? Why now?
15: Well, just because of what's happening, and I've I, I, I always been, always been things
16: in the Middle East. They've always been, you know, the Great Hall of Babylon, the B666. People thought about it. Napoleon. People thought about it about the about Genghis Khan. People thought no, about no, it.
15: No, no, six 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 is is clearly Jesus Christ. Is is well, whatever.
16: But I'm saying this: why 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 are you so convinced it's now in your lifetime? Is that not a form of, you know, almost ego?
15: No, it's, it's, uh, I'm linking myself to uh, a biblical prophecy and, and, uh, John's Gospel chapter 16 verse 13 talks of a time about a character, uh, who will play the part of the Spirit of Truth and it says, <clears throat> he will guide you into all truth and he will show you things to come. I, I, George, I do, do, you think,
1: do you think they're the first person who thought they were joined to that particular verse?
15: Um, I don't know. Oh, of course you yeah,
16: won't. As I said, every, every generation there's a kind of millennial philosophy when people think the world is going to end or Revelation is going to come yeah, or the rapture is going to descend because they think, you know, now is the time of judgment. And we've always thought that. And that's one of the, that's one of the things that I think has made Christianity endure, that sense of promise and that sense of judgment.
15: Well, I mean, first of all, uh, according to the book of Revelation, you get the apocalypse, which I see as being the collapse of the powers that be. And I, I think that and is... George, they thought
16: that when the Black Death was happening in the 13th century. There have always been apocalyptic moments in human history. They have thought that throughout human history. I'm asking you, why
1: now?
15: Um, Quick one, be- George, because we have to go. Because of... Uh, many uh references to the people of the islands and i believe that yeah. we are the people of the islands okay. and I, I i suppose that the people of britain and, and ireland are going to join together and lead the way to a wonderful future
1: okay night night george night night bye Good Welcome. morning, Kath.
16: How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. It's a fascinating call. It's a very moving female call you had. I yeah. didn't catch her name. Catherine. Catherine.
1: Yeah, that's came a terrible on to tell
16: name. me it's That's a terrible name. <laughs> terrible.
1: And her mother was Kathleen. Yeah,
16: when the pre- priest's eyes went red, talking to the brother about where does your soul go and demonic possession yeah, and, and stuff.
1: And that's the thing about this show. We start in one place and we ended up talking about her mother, who sounds like a proper redoubtable woman. Ten yeah. Ten children. Flip your neck, I don't know if she in did In the care it.
16: of those, that dreadful Magdalene Sisters organisation oh, as well. Oh my God, I, mean, I, mean, I, I saw him. that film um, without any no idea of what it was about. Same. And I came out absolutely on the floor. So know. Pull, I mean, Philomena covers the same kind of territory the <gasps> that Judy That film. film, oh, that yeah. film had me in bits. Yeah, it's a lovely, it a remarkable show. Like, what a remarkable woman she must have been in real life. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliantly played. Well, on the show this morning, we're going back 940 years, because it was AD 79, boom. Vesuvius erupted Pompeii. Right. And there's a brilliant exhibition. I've yet to go around it, but they've sent me the catalogue, which is very kind of them, looking at, basically, life in Pompeii, a day-to-day life, and particularly what they ate yeah. from the frescoes, from the food. They've even examined... If you're having a late takeaway, I apologise. The contents of some of the latrines that were then covered in lava and stuff and fossilised. So I'm looking forward to that immensely. And we've got the American insurance agent who will insure you, and he's had thousands of customers and he's paid out twice, will insure you against alien abduction. God. He's on the programme. How do you prove that? Well, two claims he's going to tell us. Also, though, part of the... I think people may be signing up just to get the certificate. But yeah. um, You also get an extra bit of money to compensate you if people are sarcastic about it to so you <laughs> which is a lovely notion isn't it you could ensure against future sarcasm so all that <laughs> more. and we're off to the movies with Van Connor, and we're talking about the new film um not so much Asbury Park, New Jersey as Luton in Bedfordshire Blinded by the Light mm-hmm. true story of the Asian lad in the 80s who kind of was you know had his life enhanced almost saved by Bruce Springsteen so we've got film reviews on the way as well a bit of Vesuvius and Alien Abduction sounds like kind of life in Howard Hughes's head really doesn't
1: sounds it? wonderful I'll be listening on my way home thanks very much Paul Paul coming up next me going now well, thanks very much for your company tonight, and thanks very much to the team next door for uh, guiding me through it. Apologies for all the technical difficulties. Completely my fault. I mean, you know, all the technical difficulties. My flipping fader. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is you were here tonight, and thanks very much for keeping me company. I shall be here tomorrow with a late night alternative coming up, though, a real treat for you with Paul Ross. Night-night.
15: We
4: are Talk Radio.